bang, it's the CBS Sports State of Combat podcast with the Brian Campbell. Finally, it's all box all the time after a two-week hiatus. Back with big intentions, ready to get you fired the heck up for all things Pacquiao Thurman this week on Fox Pay-Per-View. Arguably the biggest fight of the year. And we've got you covered from all angles. Full preview today. Full undercard setup of what should be a fun and loaded affair. And we've got two chats coming at you. Keith Thurman going off the rails. No punches pulled. And breaking down his attempts to get inside the head of Manny Pacquiao. And we will also talk to unbeaten Mike Lee from Subway to a world title shot against Caleb Plant in Saturday's feature bout on Fox before the start of the pay-per-view. I know you people been itching to get this show back on your life, to start digging it again, if you will. Oh, dig it again, dig it again. Yes. We're back, okay? Things happen. There's a lot of things going on. There was, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of skinhead white people looking at other skinhead white people. In the world of MMA, so I had to, um, I had to do it. I had to, I had to do it, alright? But we're back, and we are back with a bang. My soundboard is out of control. I cannot find a thing, but I do know one thing, folks. It is five star season. If you love this show, and I know you do, head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Tinder, wherever you can swipe this show, swipe right, and tell them. That BC Setting. Alright, I want to get right into it and bring in my mainest of main men. So of course, shout out to the Irish crew, shout out to the ADK crew, shout out to Alex Godinez, shout out to Quality Bloke, shout out to Omaha. Shout out to Omaha, Nebraska! And shout out to my co-host and yours. He is a feature boxing writer on The Athletic, a New York Times best-selling author. And a stretch four, according to Simo one time. He is Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lick you up. Let me lick you up. Let me lick you up. Let me lick you down. Turn around, baby. Keep me. You You're going down. Boy, let me lick you oh. down. Like you love a shit. Walter Waits. Oh, Books. We're Brian, back. What other pod? What what other pod is going to yeah, give it to you? The full preview. Are you saying that this podcast should finish? Is that where you're going along? Because people thought we finished the last couple of weeks, all right? This is what happens. You were so busy observing the whole skinhead man for two whole weeks. Was there that was there that much skinhead to look at, Brian? Did you not watch UFC 239, Rafe? Everybody, it was a quick fight. Different. I don't want to watch two grown men with panties on <laughs> wrestling. I mean, I'm from the hood. I, we don't we don't play that. Rafe, you're kind of quasi from the hood. You're from inner city Manhattan, right? You're kind of you and I would never. Ever, ever claim to be from the hood. I am from New York. I am fortunate enough to have been around the city a little bit, been outside of my neighborhood, but I was also fortunate enough to live in a, a pretty safe neighborhood. But back in the day, of course, we're talking about the 80s and 90s. We was still getting robbed left and right. I had the razor in my mouth. I mean, it was serious, Brian. To this day. To this day. To this day. That's what I'm talking about. You just. 
What did he call him? Didn't he call him uh, the way that he said it? The way that he said Radio Raheem. That was great. That was some great moments. Look, look, learn from Eddie Hearn and do not do the um, the white man Deontay Wilder impersonation. Yes, yes, please do not cross those lines. Do not cross those swords. Hey, Rafe. Um, we we certainly will get into it in deep, but on a macro level, uh, Pacquiao's forty and he's back in a monster pay per view, and you're part Pinoy. Do you have Pinoy pride this week? I'm always, always overflowing with pride for uh, the the country that was so gracious enough to host me and and change my life in so many important ways. And you know, whatever the situation is with Manny, he's a part of my life, part of the lives of so many people. And I'm I I gotta watch. I gotta. I it means something to me. I I, I it moves me. Wow. All right. It, it does. Uh, we always play this sound on the show to make ourselves laugh. Jeff Horn. Who's Jeff Horn? Nobody. I don't, I got so many different disrespectful things that I can say right now. I don't even want to do it because that was back then. Doesn't even matter now. Okay. Well, that was back then, but he makes disrespectful things about Jeff Horn. <laughs> we say disrespectful things about Jeff Horn. Good Lord. Even, uh, Joe Horn, his wife says those same things about Jeff Horn. Yeah, right, Jeffrey. No, I don't think so. But anyway. But you sent me some interesting sound from our friend in the game, right? Marcos Viejas. Is that how we're pronouncing it these days? I Marcos always Viejas. go with Marcos Viegas. Yeah, yeah. Let's get the Dwyer. Dwyer, is that you? Marcos Viejas <laughs> has done a spectacular job. The, 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 the journalist. journalist. The journalist, yes. Okay. The journalist. Um. He had a heck of a wild interview with Keith Thurman. We have a wild interview with Keith Thurman today. He had a wilder one, a Deontay Wilder one, in which there was contact. There was Keith jumping on the floor, but Keith gave him this. Jeff Horn was a real man. Yeah. He said, Manny Pacquiao, you don't got nothing. Is Keith Thurman switching up the narrative? First is, who's Jeff Horn? Nobody. Now it's... Jeff Horn was a real man. He was, you know, he did fight like a tough, tough gang member. You know what, Brian? Name one, name me one fighter better than Chris Algieri he beat. That's all I gotta say about these Walter Waits. They all talk, only one of them beat Chris Algieri. That's Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. Tell me one great fighter Deontay Wilder knocked out. Not... Wow, 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 a lot of, a lot of, a lot of hatred on the, uh, on the old soundboard today. Um, wow, Rafe, I got so many weird sounds I want to press that have nothing to do with what we're talking about today, right? Like Dillian White on a tanning bed. No, on a, uh, massage, massage table. Bed. Yeah, 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 I mean, he's just firing stuff left and right. I didn't tell well, a hillbilly. He's a bushwalker hillbilly. He's a proper country boy, you know. I'm surprised he don't choose sticks. All right, all right, all right. No, 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 no. This is Dillian's night. I mean, this is this is Deontay's night. Yes. Okay. Um, speaking of sound, I didn't get to add it, but uh, we've been gone for so long. People got worried, Rafe, that one of our international listeners, Ulrich Anderson, is he from? You remember that bro, that bloat top bloke? He's from Denmark, I believe. He sent me a list of sounds. He was like, "Hey, if you're not going to do a show this week, I might as well give you this great sound to put on your board." Rafe, people are uh, producing. How'd you like it? Did you like it? I love it. I love it. I love it. Yes. Is that that you? There's a creepy look on your face right now. Are you frozen? Are you with me? Are you with me or what, Rafe? Please, Rafe, tell me. Please, people love this part of the show. They love it. They they love when we have connection issues. All right then. Yes. Let's do it. Let's have a show. Are you here with me or not? 
Look at me. Look at me. Are you with me? All right, I, I got Rafe back here. No, no harm, no foul. You gotta, you gotta look at the whole man. He pays attention to your body from start to finish. Okay, that's a little weird. Hey, Rafe. Speaking of Dwyer, right? That's our, that's our friend. Hi, it's Dwyer. The week of the fight. The, every week is the week of the fight. Uh, Dwyer. Uh, you know, I was in talks about bringing Dwyer on the show, and those talks haven't, let's say, failed. They're just paused for the moment. And understandably, my DMs have been lit on fire with people going, bro, you're teasing the bag here. Like, do you want my mess? You know, and by the way, I would have sent Barack the boxing bully over there to shut that S down. No messes, no happen, no loads, no loads will be fired here. But, uh, look, I, you know, MMA, right? There were skinhead white people fighting each other. It's Pacquiao week, but the dead of summer is coming and we will get some Dwyer. Now, the idea of having Dwyer, though, Rafe, like, we don't know what we're going to get with this guy. We don't know if we're going to get happiness, anger, sadness. We don't know if it's going to sound like this. Hey, player, you've been, you know, having my name in your mouth. Here I am now. Yeah, hey, okay, okay, Let's Rich. Have at it. Let's do it, Rich, right? But you sent me a soundbite that uh, Dwyer's response to his own trolls that has me kind of positively excited that he could he could F with us. He could fit in in this game, right? Like Eddie Hearn partying, partying with us on the ropes, our dream, right? This, not a Cali party, but this level of a party. I, this is what. Ain't no party like a Dwyer party that, in Campbell, California. That is a great, you know what great goes place down to watch a Canelo fight. But, uh, this is what he said about his own trolls. I love hearing from subscribers. I noticed the comments to the last video got a little bit edgy. People were upset that someone was calling themselves deluded Dwyer. Hey, I'm all for it. (laughs) Folks, let's have fun. Boxing's entertainment. Okay? I myself read deluded Dwyer's comments. It's all right. You want to call yourself Dwyer? Go for it. One of the biggest laughs I had in my life was I was on Twitter trying to research boxing, and I saw a picture that looked like my cat (laughs) at the time, and uh, the account called itself Dwyer's Cat. That's fine. Let's respect everyone's opinion. Let's not make it personal. I don't mind people roughing up someone over a boxing view. Rafe, sounds like he'll, he's willing to riff. He's willing to riff on our level. You down with this? Of course I am down with that, man. I, I need this in my life. I, I don't think you, I take this seriously. I, I spend a lot of time walking this man talk all right i in fact i'm in this hotel with crappy internet right now yes but you know what i did last night it's got one of those tvs it's like an internet tv i don't have an internet tv in my house probably not in the bartholomew household <laughs> but here in this hotel room we got the internet tv i got dwyer put dwyer on the youtube man wow. crazy. big screen dwyer my my what my, my world my mind is blown wow let's take a look at the whole man did you close that with some spectrovision were you watching the what Yankees? <laughs> Rafe, what's your favorite uh, little rascal? Is it housekeeping? <laughs> Excuse me, housekeeping may be arriving any moment now, Brian. <laughs> I mean, I can get a good look at a, uh, a, a bull's ass by sticking my head up the, uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's actually, it's your bull. All right. Um, speaking of good parenting, Rafe. My wife was away a couple weekends ago, so I wanted to have that indoctrination weekend with my sons, right? 
Father and son's just broing out, eating bad food, drinking a lot of soda, despite the uh, warnings which you refuse to continue to heed from B-Hop. Soda to me is like liquid crack. Putting liquid crack all over my kids, my twin 11-year-old son. So I was like, it's time for them to become men. No, 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 nothing gross, but it's time for them to watch manly movies. So you know what we watched in succession? You ready for this? Commando. No, but I should have. Tommy Boy, monster hit. Loved, they loved it. They, it worked. Billy Madison, they were a little bit weirded out on the, uh, the ways that some of those comedic stylings have not aged well, but loved it. But then I thought, it's time to go Schwarzenegger. It's time to get them prepared for the eventual landing of Marked for Death, right? Cause that's the end game. So I went Running Man, thinking of all the Schwarzenegger movies, that might be the most, like, Kid, video game character type crossover. You know what I found out in the end? They hated that crap. They weren't entertained. They were a little turned off by the over-the-top gorish violence. And, um, you know what? That actually might be the worst of the prime, the worst of the prime Schwarzenegger movies. Would you agree with that? Oh, what? What? Of the Are prime Schwarzenegger catalog. Like, Running Man is probably the best idea ever for a movie. But you know what? Once you get going with it, it does kind of hit some potholes. You're a wrestling guy. You don't like Jesse the Body no, in there? I'm I saying mean, they got Jim Brown in there. I'm all saying it's Spandex, Yafet, Kodo, Raydon Chong. You are you are There's no Raydon. No, there's, that is uh, a, there's the other chick, you know. She's Raydon was in uh The Principal with Commando. James Belushi. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about Commando's the best movie ever, first of all. I'm oh, you're right. About it's the, the, running it's the Brazilian man. chick. Yeah, I'm talking about the running man. Or what is it? Maria Conchito Alonso? That sounds right. That sounds right. Um, I'm just saying the running man know. doesn't I'm, hold I'm up. I'm really into the running man, Brian. It's so much fun. The, I was the, when each, I was eight. Okay. It doesn't right? hold together, but the, the, the set pieces, the hockey scene, the, the crazy opera man, I mean, that stuff sticks with you. I'm going to tell you that when I was eight, it was the best movie that ever happened until I saw Predator, and then I realized that was actually the best movie that ever happened until I saw Commando, and then, you know, I kept going up, up the scale. But uh I did – by the way, I did watch Predator three days ago on an airplane. It still holds up. still one of the best movies ever. But back to Running Man, Rafe, I will just tell you this. First third of the movie, amazing. Once they actually get into the Running Man game, yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen better Schwarzenegger. My kids, surprisingly – they don't have that. They don't have that gene. We'll see what happens on the next stop on the Schwarzenegger toy, right? I know they're not ready for raw deal when Schwarzenegger's wearing a uh, pinstripe mafia suit, but hopefully some commando action with Bill Duke. They can get fired up for that. All right, Rafe. Uh, we might as well get into the show, right? You, you want to sell me anything? You want to sell me a markdown subscription to The Athletic? You want to sell me any of your books? Sell that ish now, Rafe, or forever hold your pee, all right? Rafe? Rafe? Yeah. Brian, do you want to sell me anything before we get into the meat, the bones, the the balls of this show? Wow. Let me cool you down there for a second. Uh, are you referring to my uh, my – PBC face to face show that is that is currently airing or my PBC countdown show on Fox getting you fired up for Pacquiao Thurman looking back at their biggest fights. Well, the PBC face to face with Pac and Thurman, that one was a classic. I mean, you got a lot out of them. You got 
Keith Thurman talking about the crucifixion. This was a weird <laughs> Bible study. Uh, you, wait, wait. I didn't, I didn't know where they were going with that. You watched it? For real? Well, I watched the parts of it that ended up on Twitter.com. Okay, okay, okay. So you didn't watch it. We're on brand. We're staying with it. But yeah. Okay. Uh, no, no. This is a yo. Let me let yo 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 yo. Let me slip you a little Jimmy whoa, here, Brian. Okay. I have I have a legit gripe. I believe on the PBC Fox uh shoulder programming promotional experience because they don't make that thing as available as it should be true. on YouTube and all these like. Put that – this is a pay-per-view. Put that on YouTube. You want people to see that and buy the, the pay-per-view. It shouldn't only be available to people who pay for cable TV or TV in general and are able to sign in through their their provider on, on an app. Like this is this is classic 101 stuff. Put your Make your shoulder programming available to people who aren't going to see it on TV. Like I'm not watching Fox with grandma. My grandma died. I'm mourning her in the Saturday wow, afternoon. Wow. <laughs> wow, that went dark. Uh, no, I actually do agree with you, and I have had uh, a few internal conversations to uh, – you can't catch this thing on the Fox Sports Go app. You can, of course, DVR it, but uh, beyond that, it is hard to find – I'm trying to get this stuff cleared for YouTube, but check out that episode. It's wild and interesting. Check out PBC Countdown if you like me, if you like Dan Canobio, our boy from CompuBox, breaking down all the recent fights. I thought you were going to brag about not watching my side piece, Rafe, but apparently you've seen a little bit of it, so, you know. Hey, 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 right? I want to, I want to enjoy the entire side piece. All right. I want right. to take your side piece after I take your belt. I do have a new side piece, by the way, every Monday morning on Showtime Digital under the Brendan Shaw Below the Belt banner. Luke Thomas, veteran MMA journalist and myself, will be giving you something called Morning Combat every Monday at noon, live on YouTube, live on Facebook, live wherever you want to listen to two grown men talk about fights. So that's my side piece, Rafe, okay? I took your, I took the show. I took it, that show. Took your girl. That show took your title. All right, you. you. I beat Polly. Yep, yep, yep. I beat Brian. There it is. There it is. All right, we sold a lot of things. Let's sell one more thing, and that's a word right now, Rafe. Oh yeah, from our friends and our sponsors. Dig it. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, Rafe, and we're back. It's almost time to get down to the serious business, but one more thing to sell you, Rafe. Have you heard about my friends, the fine folks at Ballsy, B-A-L-L-S-Y? This is a real thing on our podcast, Brian? I mean, hold on a second. Do you know what it's like? Have you ever encountered something called swamp ass, Rafe? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. I mean, I grew up in a humid climate. I've lived in the Philippines. There you go. You've experienced this. Well, guess what I have done lately? Spent a week in Vegas when it's been 108 degrees, right? Been on a rooftop with former UFC champion Robbie Lawler the other day, sweating in places I didn't know I could sweat, Rafe. On, in Did New he York make City. you sweat? He did like yeah, that? Yeah. What, uh, it was just the heat. Well, I, I, what we did was we let the rhythm take control, right? And we let the, yeah, alright. Uh, so, basically on top of that building, it was... Come on, let me, let me put some water on your ball. If you don't have that water, you can make a preemptive strike with our friends at Ballsy. They have sent me a care package, Rafe, of their nut rub, their sack spray, and their ball wash. Can you hold up this product in front of me, Brian? I don't believe you totally right now. I mean, I have the box right here that says Ballsy. Oh, my God. Keep the funk off your junk. And I got products in here, Rafe. I've got a, a t-shirt. I've got a hat that has so a- So these are some, these are some, some, uh, oh, those are some, some good nuts on your I got, you I got some, nuts some nuts on, on a hat. Your head there? And, uh, even though the men's, uh, uh, shower soap known as ball wash comes out looking like motor oil, besides that part of it, Rafe, I'm loving this product. Keeping me that nut rub smells really good. I use it all over, Rafe. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know. You didn't, you didn't want to, you didn't want to know that, but hey, look, Is it's summertime. Like they're, they're, they're like selling expensive talcum powder for your balls. Rafe, all I know is it's summertime. It's swamp ass season. I'm going to be back in Vegas for Pacquiao, uh, very shortly. In fact, the plane might be picking me up right now as I look at my watch. And I'm just going to tell you, sack spray getting me through it. Okay. So shout out to our friends at Ballsy. I can hook you up, Rafe. If you want, I do. I I never get hooked up. My balls are just au natural, and it's stank down there. Oh God! All right, hey, there's your FCC on line one shutting us down. Yes, Mr. Nuts. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> all right, Rafe. Let's get into it. Um, we haven't been around in a while, so I'm not necessarily here to get your take on like Demetrius Andrade's uh Andrade's decision over Machiet Chulechki. But what I do want to know is, will that fight have an effect on what your boy, Big Red, Saul Canelo Alvarez, will do this fall? Because as we record this right now, we are still in the middle. I love me some Saul Canelo Alvarez. Well, yes, all of us do. We are still in the middle of trying to find out Mexican Independence Day. Rafe, who is next, my friend? I don't know who is next, my friend. I was pretty pumped when it looked like Sergei Kovalev might be next, my friend, <laughs> because that's just Sergei a crazy Kovalev. matchup. And I think, <laughs> I think that Canelo actually had a good chance of sending Kovalev to Siberia, Siberian hell even, with a body shot, a beauty. Uh, yeah, I don't isn't know there a negotiation shot, where where they have sent an offer to main events and main events realizes that it's such a low ball offer in comparison to what like Anthony Joshua opponents would have made like big baby Miller. So what Danny J they, they basically Danny Jacobs got 12 million. They said for his fight and Danny has a stick. And so does, I mean, honestly, so does Kovalev. Kovalev got a nice jab. He has a stick. Um, Danny and Jacobs, also you're the boy, but you put it on him. <laughs> And so the, the offer, the reported offer for Kovalev from, uh, from Golden Boy was only 6.5 million, which of course the classic Floyd slash Canelo play is, well, where are you going to make that money otherwise? And they're totally right, but it yeah. is a little yeah. bit of a slap hey, in ballsy. the face. Who else is going to give you that kind of package in the mail, right? And then just this morning, 
uh, I, we've seen now, I don't know if this means what this means exactly, Brian, but I've seen people on Twitter saying that Kovalev has already been penciled in on box rec for the fight on August 24th with Anthony Yard. So I don't know. Again, sometimes now, now, I, I, sometimes people, the, uh, a promoter or a manager will go in and just change something on BoxRec if they have the correct permissions when they, they, they shouldn't have done it already. And then BoxRec will go back and fix it. So that, that might be the case here. I don't know if that's, uh, official, official yet, but that, if Kovalev is off the table, then I don't know what that means for all of this. I hope it does not mean Demetrius Andrade. Well, there is some talk about Andrade, and I think it would be one of those things where you couldn't get mad. I mean, we want to see Andrade forever step up and face real elite competition. He's a Swiss Army knife. We don't know how good he could be. This could be a Waterloo for Canelo. So if he's willing to do that, no, this fight wouldn't feel like a typical Independence Day Vegas fight. But then again, let's remember, Canelo also fought Beefy Smith in Dallas uh, a couple Septembers ago. So he'll do that stuff. I would love Andrade, but Rafe, I got like overly excited about the idea of like high my boxing fans, like holy stinking freaking cow, Rafe. Hi, my boxing fans. Um, thank you for your support. Thank you for your support. Canelo, Rafe, we have talked for years about the size of Canelo's balls, right? Like, do I have to bring in T Street to tell you how big that man's things are, Rafe, if I can? Inside that big scrotum, scrotum, is huge, huge testicles. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's got real big balls. Yes, he does. Rafe, it's one thing to have big balls by facing difficult guys like Trout and Lara. Or taking an early payday against Floyd. Or whatever else. Moving up to 68 against Rocky Fielding. Rafe, moving up to the way he fought in that second fight against Triple G. Took some took some took, balls. Took some balls. Okay, I know he waited out Triple G for two years. That is an X mark against him. But are you talking about moving up two weight classes to face Sergey Kovalev, who, yes, I know is not the same killer, but we just saw in the Elider Alvarez rematch, the guy can still box. The guy can still do some things. He can still hurt you for sure. Rafe, this is big balls right here. And now, look, it may not happen, and he may have just been pulling a Floyd by putting out the, the – remember Floyd would put out the Twitter poll? Do you want me to fight Devin Alexander or Kareem Mayfield? And we're like, what? What? Or do you want me to fight Maidana? And we're like, oh, yeah, Maidana. Yeah, of course, Maidana. But don't look over my shoulder that there's Pacquiao and everybody else waiting over there. But, um, Rafe, good Lord, this is Sugar Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray Leonard moving up two weight classes to face Donnie Lalonde. Only I think Sergey Kovalev is way better than Donnie Lalonde ever was. So – Holy crap, Rafe. We have Brian. to give Canelo the respect. We have I... to give the red man, get him out of that New Jersey apartment on Cribs where you, where the doorbell doesn't even work. Put him up in a mansion, Rafe. Canelo has a sack. He's got a stick. He's got a lot. He could use some ballsy, Rafe. We may have to cool him down. I don't think that's a good career move, even though Kovalev doesn't like it to the body, bro. Brian, I... I look, I like this fight a lot. I would love to see it. I would get excited for it. I I genuinely would pop for it. But you don't you're telling me you don't sniff a little bit of a Manny Pacquiao versus Antonio Margarito light situation here. I'm not saying it's yeah. that 
yeah. it's not bad like that. But this is definitely smells like a like Canelo looking way up in weight for a guy who he sees something he can exploit. And that's fine. That, but there's and, more and you danger. You know what that is? It's it's Kovalev gasses late in fights, and if you go at his body, which Canelo can do, you can beat him. And and yeah, Canelo would have to get close enough to bang that body, bang, bang, bang. And he would have to try and stop me. Walk through some, walk through some, some jabs. But if you're, if, if you're Canelo, don't you, aren't you telling yourself, look, I just went 24 rounds with Gennady, Triple G, Jelovkin. Is that what Dwyer so, called him the other day? He called him, he's back on Gennady. He's back on that Curtis what... Stevens Gennady train. Wow. Uh, he, he, he went 24 hours with one of the biggest punchers in the sport. You think he's going to be afraid of of Sergei Kovalev? All right, let me ask it to you like this. Let me, yeah, I think he should be. Let me ask it to you like this: of matchups that we've seen before, like this, like similar to this, I think Kovalev's the most dangerous to the opponent of the matchups. I'm going to give them to you now. Yes, Donnie Lalonde. Donnie Lalonde versus Sugar Ray Leonard. Oscar De La Hoya against Manny. Margarito against Manny. Do we have any other recent type of ideas of one guy moving up a ton against a somewhat faded former tough guy name that you're trying to sell? Well, well, we Wash do have Giel? the winner of the oh, Kodo and winner. We do have the winner of the ball sack of the year award, Mikey Garcia, who messed up that equation as bad as anyone <laughs> ever has Aerosmith when he went up. <laughs> To fight Errol Spence. Yes. Do you Spence or it don't make sense. That's what I'm talking about. By the way, you sent me some great sound of uh, Jeff Mayweather going around asking people who's going to win Spence Porter, by the way. Okay, Sean Porter has some big, big balls for getting in the ring with Spence because Spence looks so good. Yes, yes, he does. Uh, Rafe, I think Kovalev is... may have been the same guy who said Mikey has the ball sack. <laughs> no, that was Diego Magdalena. Yeah, that we may, uh, we may have to check that tape. In fact, how am I not playing that right stinking now? Yes. Okay. You gotta give Mikey the ball sack of the year award for taking that fight. No, no, the second, the first, the, the Porter one was Diego Magdalena. Run it back, run it back. Oh, it was Diego. The... Oh, never mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I don't, yeah, right, Jeffrey. Um, Rafe, Kovalev's more dangerous than all those, okay? And you're right about his deficiencies, but that would be one hell of a fight. I'm still here if it's Andrade. Would you give Canelo respect for that? Hell yeah, you would, right? Yeah, I would. Of course, it's a meaningful fight. Uh, it would be unifying all of the titles at once, including the Fran. Well, I guess not anymore because he doesn't have his own WBC title. Yeah, that well, he, for the for he, the Steve Francis. He title. rolled down. The, he flushed down the toilet to Jamal Charlo. <laughs> uh, is there anyone else you would accept? Right, like not David Lemieux in this spot. Um, I know it's basically just Canelo putting his middle finger up to Triple G. It's Canelo playing a little bit above a power play game with DeZone. But it seems like DeZone approved Kovalev or Triple G. I'm one, I would assume they would approve Andrade. Everyone's in the family. Everybody makes the money. Everyone's cool. Is there anyone else that would get you to pop that we aren't mentioning? I mean, it sounds like it's not the direction they're going in, but I would feel the, the, earlier when they were talking about Callum Smith, that's a good fight. Okay. But not Jaime Munguia. Uh, look, no, it's not a very interesting fight to me, but I'm not going to throw a fit over it. I, I, you know what? Honestly, honestly, Brian, I'm just getting a kick out of Canelo 
sticking it to everyone yeah. and just being like, no, 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 no. I don't care how much money you pay me. I still choose when I go into the ring and against whom. Thank you very much. I am, I am, I am Canelo. I am Big Red. You are Little Skippy. Yes, yes. I am in shape and you. Oh, wait. Was she a great big fat person? Yes, thank you. Um, Rafe, we, uh, before I get into anything too serious, we've established many times on this show who is the master pronunciator. In all of boxing, right? It's, it's, it's the great Dwyer. It's Rich, Richie Dwyer. It's Sergei Kovalev. It's, of course. Alexander Grosdick. It's, uh, remember we butchered Progray like in an unspeakable way that time? It was like, Obey. it was like Obey. new letters he created. Um, I've got an interesting one here from Shaquille O'Neal. Are you ready for this? And, uh, hopefully the winner will get to face my favorite fighter, Delonte Wilder. Delonte Wilder, Ray, former, uh, uh, St. Joe's small forward, right? Uh, small forward, more of a shooting guard, especially in the league. I mean, if we're talking about Delante West, I wonder what Deontay Wilder would look like if he were a six-seven light-skinned redhead in the in the mold of Delante West. He might look like you. You you're a stretch four, I heard. Right? Do you still have game ray for you washed now? You got a big soda habit. Are you washed? I'm, I'm not that washed. I'm still pretty quick. Still, still can lock down some, some, uh, division three college players. Wow. At, at, uh, accidentally at, uh, Occidental College? You bet. All right. Well, I was setting that up to tell you that we have two more entries in the Richard Dwyer pronunciation butchering hall of fame. Are you ready for these? I am so ready. I was born ready, Brian. Okay. Here we go. One of the best boxing towns in the United States of America is Chicago. Chicago, first of all, right? Chicago. Right? Think Alphonse Fanfara. Ha, ha. I'm just telling you, you go <laughs> wait, back whoa, whoa. through Chicago box. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Alphonse Fanfara? Now, we have had fun for years on this show trying to guess, is it Andy Fanfara, Andrew Andreshis? Andrews. Uh, yeah, Andrews, just, just. Dwyer brings us one of the best one more time, boxing towns in the United States of America. Chicago. Is Chicago. Ch- what the hell's Chicago? Right? Think Alphonse Fanfara. Rafe, Alphonse oh. Fanfara? What? Are we, like, uh, is this the, the, the Polish Capone? Uh, Alphonse Fanfara? Oh, <laughs> and Rafe, uh, he's got one more gem for us. And I want to set it up this way. What's the best little boxing town in America? Um, does it have the best little whorehouse in America? No, but uh, Vlad once sat on the car and told us about it. Hey, Hello, guys. Canastola. Hello, I love Canastola. Hello, guys. Hi, my boxing fans. I love my brother. <laughs> um, as you may know, Rafe, there's a boxing hall of famer born and raised and lived until he died in Canastota. The great Carmen Basilio. You've heard of this fellow, right? I, 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 you damn bet I have. All right, let's bring him. He he beat Sugar Ray Robinson, man. Let's bring him Dwyer. Boxing folklore has it that Carmine Bastillo after a fight. Oh, gosh. What is it? Is it Bastille Day? What is he? What? And he did the Carmine, too. That's great. That's. That's, uh, it's Carmen, right? I don't, it's his. Uh, yeah, it's Carmen. It's Carmen Basilio, not yeah. Carmine Basilio. 
When we have him <laughs> on one Luis day. Jose Luis Bastillo. Yeah, when we get him on one day, wow, I can't wait. I, I'm just going to – I mean, we're going to talk pronunciations. We're going to talk math. We'll even talk uh, women of the night. Guys who can't fight out of a crouch are at a disadvantage against hookers like this. It's not wrong there, Rafe, right? Speaking of uh, hooker headlines, boxing scene and the the great Rick Reno giving us one this week. Um, Hooker, colon, pro-grade talks too much. I mean, Rafe, when you're you're going to, you know, exchange funds and and, and get get to banging, right? Like, it's, you know, like... Too much talk. Enough with the small talk, you know. Time is money here. Yeah, I think he was talking about uh, Maurice Hooker, possibly. Not really sure, but um, did you know, Rafe? Speaking of Regis Progray, that um, he may not be telling us the truth completely, according to Dwyer. Do you know where I'm going here? No, I'm not sure right now. Okay, here we go. Let's sound odd here. Let's get off the beaten track. Let's leave public opinion. Right? It's my opinion. That Regis Progray has a secret. Whoa! Let me pause that right there, Rafe. Uh, what do you think the secret is? Talks too much to hookers? What is going on here? Something involving uh, New Orleans mythology. He actually is a, a werewolf. Uh, keep... That secret, for those who don't know, is that he is one of the hardest punchers pound for pound in the sport of boxing. Really? You know, Brian, that's I not the biggest. I, I I don't know if that's we can really go there yet with program. Yeah, we know he can punch. Soon. But that, that's not a secret. It's one of the things we know about him as a fighter. See, he does I was have gonna, some power. Okay, I'm, I'm, t- I'm feeling that the opposite. I'm saying he's an aggressive in-your-face fighter, but I don't think of him as one of the bigger power punchers in the sport. I, I don't think of him as that yet, but it's, I feel like it's a little too early in his career to, to make that call. I mean, he has a lot of stoppages. All right. All right. Um, did you get down at all from Murata avenging his middleweight title loss to Rob Brandt and sending him to hell in Asia in the second round? You don't care about that stuff, right? I care, but it just happened. How am I supposed to watch it right now? All right. What about uh this August card that uh PBC on, not FS1, on Fox is putting out here, Rafe, in Minnesota? Do you know that they go to the crap out of Minnesota? You know that old armory in Minneapolis? Oh, yeah. I've been there many times. Um, What do you feel about this doubleheader on Big Fox? In the co-main event, the rematch of that aborted Caleb Plant, Peter Quillen bout. Winner probably Caleb gets a title Plant? shot. Peter Quillen? I'm sorry, I, I screwed that up. Caleb Truax, boxing Twitter. There we go. End of the show against Peter Quillen. It, it, the first one ended in what round two with a cut on Truax's eye, and the main event, Rafe, Arislandy Lara versus Ramon Alvarez, the washed older brother of Canelio. This is the Ramon Alvarez that got beat by. Brandon Rios yes. earlier this year? Yes, but he then bounced back and beat somebody you never heard of. Oh, well that that makes sense. Put him in with Lara then. Look, I don't this is Lara is going in the wrong direction. Like Canelo at least he beat Miguel Cotto's brother. Had a little scary moment there. Yes. Then he beat Miguel Cotto. He beat Ricky Hatton's brother. <laughs> He didn't get to fight Ricky Hatton, probably good for Ricky Hatton, uh, the way their size and the two trajectories of their careers went. 
But yeah, so he beat the younger brother, or not the younger, he beat the lesser brothers before moving on to the better brothers. You don't, you don't fight the, the good brother first and the bad brother second. Yeah, that seems a little bit off. That, that's a little bit off brand here. Um, he's coming off that all action draw on Showtime against Brian Castaño. That was fun. I think that showed us that he's not fully washed, that he can still do some things. Um, he never was fully washed. What he he, I don't he mean lost a close fight to Sorry. Jared Hurd. Sorry, come on. I don't mean come fully on. washed. I meant a little bit, like slowed down, a little bit slowed down. He's like thirty-seven. He, All, right. All right. He yeah, he probably is that. All right. How much do you care about Dennis Rubadub? Dennis Lebedev retiring at, at age thirty-nine I, after after he fights through the fall, or no, after his fights fell through. Mike, I can't read. Sorry, right, Rafe. That's, of course I care, man. He is one of the, the, the reasons I got into this cruiserweight division because I saw this frightening looking Russian caveman clubbing people into submission. And then of course that disgusting war. I'll never forget Guillermo Jones. Oh my God. What like blown up on all the steroids all the way up. What he was fighting at a welterweight earlier in his career. So he was a Walterweight all the way up to. 200, 200 pound cruiserweight and, and, and beat the tar out of, out of poor Lebedev in that fight. I mean, and Lebedev was so brave. He had the disgusting eye hematoma yes. bruise thing happening. It looked like a second face was growing out of the side of his head. It was just, uh, it was a war, man. And, and, and Lebedev, I mean, he's just been involved in so many funny cruiserweight things like that, that Steve Smoger refereed fight a couple years ago, was it maybe against Ramirez where Lebedev knocked him out in the second round and, and, and Smoger just let him keep beating the crap out of the guy. I mean, it was, it was, uh, he's, Lebedev is everything that's, that, that, that's fun about this cruiserweight division. And, uh, I'll be, I think he's probably making the right decision because he's pretty old. He didn't, he looked, he looked a little long in the tooth in that last win against, uh, Mike, what was his name? White Delight Wilson. Oh God. Uh, this is so in your <laughs> wheelhouse. This is cruiser love here for the, didn't he wear cruiser like a Russian man. paratrooper uniform in the, in on his way? Yeah. Game? Yeah. He, he liked to come into the, he's very into the military stuff. Probably a little scarier to think about if you think about it seriously. So I don't really encourage anyone to get too real with it in that direction, but he's just, He's yeah, a guy's a character and he's he's also he had that amazing relationship towards the end of his career with Marvin Samojo, the the very, very petite, you know, Pinoy trainer who works with Freddie Roach out of Wildcard. And after they won, he'd like yell in, in Russian like the Filipino Freddie Roach. Like and to see them working the myth together was always hilarious because Lebedev is like twice the size in weight and height. And it was just it just the guy's great. Uh, pour one out for the homie, the cruiserweight, Labadev. All right, Rafe, let's, that's it for news. You got anything else you want to talk about that's non-Pacquiao Thurman? Are you ready for this? Stick it in my veins, Fox pay-per-view, MGM Grand, Saturday night, Vegas. I was born ready. All right, all right. We're going to get into it, and we're going to kick it off by talking to the one of the participants, Big Keith himself, the WBA Walterweight champion, Coming at you right now. Uh, if it's a little hard to hear my voice, I was just slightly off mic here. But this comes from the set of PBC Face to Face. Keith, before he sat down with Manny, all kinds of fired up. 
coming at you right now from the Fox Studios in L.A. Enjoy. Keith, uh, who's the A-side of uh, Keith Thurman, Manny Pacquiao? Keith Thurman's the A-side. If you ask any bookie in Vegas, you know, they're not betting against me, so you shouldn't. But, um, you know, I just love this fight. Manny Pacquiao is a legend. He's got so many fans. He's got so much history. He's definitely an exciting fighter. Definitely a fan favorite, you know, uh, for many years. So if people want to favor him, I understand. They're really wondering how good is Keith Thurman after not fighting for two years? Is he really, truly one of the greatest welterweights in the world today? And it's my job to show everybody that I am. And that uh, what happened in January was just me brushing off the dust. And we've taken the momentum from that camp. We got into another camp. This is a bigger and better camp in preparation for Manny Pacquiao to give the fans what they really want to see, which is a tremendous and exciting fight. All right, let's talk about shaking off dust against Jose Cito Lopez. How do you grade yourself that night? Uh, against Jose Cito Lopez, I give myself a B-. minus. There was many things that I wanted to do, and my hands weren't just moving the way that I wanted them to move. My feet were moving well. Uh, I was able to not get hit for the majority of the fight, uh, except for lucky number seven. It was his lucky number seven that night. He caught me with a nice left hook, hit me with two more right hands in that round that snapped my head back and looked really good on the highlight reel. But at the end of the day, I recovered. You know, I kept moving, kept using my athleticism. You know, a lot of people said, Keith, man, how come you didn't hold? And I said, did you know that holding is an illegal move in the sport of boxing? You know, I like to keep the fight going. You know, even if I'm getting beat up a lot of times, um, I like to take the risk of making them reach because I still might be able to land a counterpunch. I really was keeping the options open, but I was still more defensive and I wiggled out of that round, stayed alive, lived the fight another day. And came out on top, you know, uh, with a majority decision. I thought it should have been unanimous. Um, but he did pressure me throughout the fight. He did start getting some momentum after that seventh round. And, yeah, man, we got the dust off. It felt good. It reminded me what it is to be a world champion and how every single opponent in the ring is coming to take my world title. And I'm going to have to fight for it. I fought for it on that night, and I'll be fighting for it once again against Manny Pacquiao. One more thing on the Jose Cito fight. Obviously, in that seventh round, you could argue that's the closest you came to defeat. What did that feel like? What, what was going through your head? Did, did it feel like the empire could have fallen right there? A lot of people thought or may have been thinking, is Keith going to get out of this seventh round? You know, they saw that I was clearly hurt. It was visible amongst everybody. I knew that I was shooken up from it. But I actually recovered from the left hook in about 15 seconds. The problem was he kept snapping my head back. And luckily for me, he was hitting me square in the face, which isn't the most vulnerable place um, on the human body. It didn't reset my equilibrium off. So I knew I was okay. But by the second time he snapped my head back, I said to myself, you know you're okay. Nobody in this arena knows you okay right now. Everybody thinks you're about to be knocked out. Let's keep it moving. 
let's get out this round and let's let's get back to boxing, you know, in the eighth round. Because sometimes when fighters start landing punches, they get even more aggressive, they get momentum, they get more confidence. And I had to get out of that round and then get back on my jab, stick and move, and slowly um, bring the fight back into my favor. What role do you think the Jose Cito fight played in Manny saying he wants to fight you? Manny Pacquiao could have fought anybody in the world. But Manny Pacquiao could only fight a few champions. And there's only a few undefeated fighters in the sport of boxing today. Keith one-time Thurman is one of those fighters who's not only undefeated, but technically, even with my two years of inactivity, I still have the greatest resume in the welterweight division amongst the young champions today. I think Manny wanted to have a great fight and an opportunity to win a belt upon which he has never won before. The last time Manny Pacquiao was presented with an opportunity to win the WBA Super Walterweight title. It was against Floyd Mayweather, upon which that he fell short of that victory. This is the second time in his career, if he was to accomplish defeating me, it would be a new notch in his legacy. And I know he's looking forward to it. He already had a little saying where he said he, he would love to have a brand new belt. And he grabbed his, uh, his belt that was attached to his suit in the, in the interview. So I'm excited to face a legend. Manny's excited to get a new world title. And the fans should be excited because this is going to be a great fight. Definitely, I plan on outperforming and making it more exciting than the last fight that he had. Uh, it was too defensive. I'm going to come in from the opening rounds and see how bad Manny and Freddie Roach really want to defeat Keith one time though. Manny at 40, how much is he still left? You know, a lot of times we base what fighters have off of their last performances. Manny at 40 years old, he looked great his last fight. He dominated it. It was if, it's as if uh, 40's the new 30. He beat, a, he beat a fighter that was over 10, a decade younger than him and he's trying to do it again. But like I said, I'm undefeated. There's not, there's not a lot of us out there. And Manny has never really taken this kind of challenge throughout his whole career. And deep down, I know he knows that. When he fought Oscar De La Hoya, Oscar De La Hoya was the older man. Oscar De La Hoya was the fighter that's been in the ring for too long. I don't think Manny's been in the ring for too long. But at the end of the day... I don't believe that he's going to get the results that he's looking for in this fight. You guys had a, a pretty colorful press conference to announce this fight. What happened? Well, we, you know, the press conference was a lot of fun. We made the fight announcement, opened in New York City. I could tell that Manny seemed a little jet lagged. Uh, he was a little slow in his talking. He just didn't have a lot of energy in New York. As soon as we got to L.A., his whole demeanor changed. When he was on stage, you could see his entourage. You could see so much family and friends that came out to support him here in L.A. Freddie Roach was not with him in New York, yet now he had his trainer at the press conference 
in L.A. My trainer, Dan Birmingham, was unpresent in New York and L.A. So I kind of didn't like how how much he felt at home, you know? He just felt he felt like I was on his turf when we were announcing the fight here in L.A. So I just wanted to talk a little bit of extra smack, get some oohs and ahs, and just stir up the pot a little bit, you know? Like they say, a little bit of sugar and spice makes everything nice. Do you feel like you got under his skin or in his head at all? You know, I think I may have bothered him to a degree. But at the end of the day, he's a world champion. He knows this is boxing. You don't fight with your words. You fight with your hands. But... When we remember great fighters back in the day, a fighter like Muhammad Ali, he said, you think he can beat me? Nah, he's too slow. Oh, Joe, too slow. Flat feet, can't move. Looks like a brick. I'm going to be sticking and moving, and I'm going to have him out by four. Ali said, I'm going to have him out by five. And he'd go in the ring and do what he said he was going to do. I said that I was going to hurt Manny Pacquiao. I'm going to retire Manny Pacquiao. And I want to be a man of my word. It seems the reports from Manny's camp and talking to him a little bit, of all the things you told him, he's most hung up on the word, on the, on the phrase, I'm going to crucify him. It's, they say, his trainers, his staff, they've never seen him this motivated for a knockout because of that phrase. What are your thoughts on that? I hope he comes to knock me out, you know. I think Manny Pacquiao's style is all about his offense. And even though he does have a tremendous offense, against the right kind of fighter, that offense, even though it's a strength, it can also be a weakness. Because it's all about timing him when he's coming in. I gotta hit him before he hits me. I hope he's offended. I hope he's out of his game plan. I hope all he's thinking about is knocking me out. Because I'm gonna expose him. The two most controversial things in this world when it comes to topics are normally politics and religion. Like I said, Pacquiao had an entourage. He felt too good that day. His smile was too bright. I had to hit him when it hurt. I had to touch him in the soft spot. And I knew that when he went to his Bible verses and he said his, say his sayings, he brought it up at the Adrian Broner press conference that's nothing new Manny Pacquiao go get another biblical verse I know you got the bible on deck it's in it's in your hotel room go grab another verse give me something new like I said that smile was too bright I wanted to take it away from him so I had to let him know you will be crucified on July 20th that really means it's all over you know luckily for Jesus he resurrected, but to not, he didn't resurrect to be the saint that he was. He resurrected in the spiritual form. Manny Pacquiao is a great human being. He's a great fighter. He's a great person. After his boxing career is over, greatness will still continue. Like I said, I wanted to, I wanted to express 
that his boxing career is towards the end. Just like Jesus, he knew when his life was towards the end and he accepted it fully. I don't think Manny Pacquiao is willing to accept it. I'm going to have to hit him with a right to point him into the right direction. He's got a, he's got retirement plans already. He's senator of the Philippines. He's got a whole country that needs him. The sport of boxing, they need me. They need undefeated champions that are willing to fight other champions. This year is my get back year. I brushed the dust off. I think we got a little bit still hanging. July 20th, we're going to shake that off with Manny Pacquiao in a tremendous showdown. And then we're going to move on into creating more history in the sport of boxing. Pacquiao Thurman, personal or business? Pacquiao Thurman is all business. For me, fighting is a little personal on, on every level for the simple fact you signed a contract stating that you believe that you can beat me up. I love boxing. I've dedicated my whole life to this sport. I've been waiting for opportunities like this for the last six years. The first day I hit major network television, I called out the world. I called out Floyd Mayweather. I called out any champion that was ranked above me. That day, when I was the co-main event, co-feature, I ended up becoming ranked 10 in the welterweight division. But I wanted the world to know that Keith Thurman didn't belong at the number 10 spot. I belonged at the top. Manny Pacquiao was already up there. I always had in my gut a gut feeling that we would share the ring one day. It is an honor, and with all due respect, I can't wait to punch him in the mouth. What is this? Minutes. Okay. What does this fight mean to your career? This fight is on an elevated stage, elevated platform. My first ever pay-per-view. Defeating Manny Pacquiao puts me in a whole nother level. It adds to the legacy that I've already created myself. This, it's added to the legacy that I have already created for myself. I defeated Sean Porter and Danny Garcia back to back. Unifying two titles in the welterweight division. The last man to unify those two titles, it was Floyd Money Mayweather. The next was Keith One Time Thurman. My injuries had me out of the ring, but we're back. We're back and we're ready to attack. If I'm listening to the pulse of your critics, they'll say Keith is a great boxer, but he stopped being <clears throat> Keith one time Thurman in the Sean Porter fight. Stopped looking to punch to win. How would you respond to that? You know, I do believe that there's a lot of people that are not quite sure if Keith Thurman has the same kind of power that he once had. And if he even, if I truly want to get the knockout in any fight, 
Obviously, I'm still winning. I'm still at the top. I'm champion of the world. In my comeback fight, I dropped Jose Cito Lopez in the second round. I did not go in to finish him. Some believe that my killer instinct is gone. I've evolved as a fighter, but that doesn't mean that I've lost my killer instinct. And this is such a beautiful opportunity. And I just see Manny Pacquiao as the smaller guy. If I have him hurt, I believe that there's no excuse for me not to get him out of there. Manny Pacquiao only has two options in this fight. We got Mike Tyson right here. But down at the bottom, he can give up or he can retire. There's not a third option. We're coming to show Manny Pacquiao why Keith Thurman is the number one welterweight in the welterweight division today. Who's next? It's obviously not in the making. We have some great matchups this year. You get talks of Garcia Garcia. You got talks of Porter and Spence. I believe the winners of those two fights could easily be one of my next opponents. Errol Spence has a world title. Sean Porter has a world title, upon which was my world title. I would love to get my title back. If Errol Spence defeats Sean Porter, which I do favor him in that fight, if I want my WC title back, I'm going to have to go after him. I told the world in 2019, I'm not facing young undefeated champions. But in 2020, those doors will be wide open for negotiation. Did Manny Pacquiao make a mistake in signing to fight you? I believe Manny Pacquiao made a mistake. I believe there's a lot of other fights that he could have took that would have been a little bit more in his favor. But at the end of the day, I really don't believe that Manny Pacquiao belongs in the top five of the welterweight division anymore. I think we're too stacked of a division. I know he's a tremendous fighter, but is there proof that he can beat Danny Garcia? Is there proof that he can beat Mikey Garcia? Is there proof that he can beat Errol Spence? Is there proof that he could beat Bud Crawford? I don't see no proof. Is there proof that he can beat Keith one-time Thurman? We are going to know more about the answers to these kind of questions come July 20. All right, shout out to a fired up Keith Thurman, Rafe. Check out, again, our PBC face-to-face episode replaying on FS1 and FS2 this entire week. Uh, Rafe, what do you think about this idea that he's doing? One, he's selling himself, which Keith Thurman's very good at. He realizes, look, Manny's not going to get out there and sell this fight. Manny's going to do Manny things, right? Do you have a Manny impersonation about what a Manny interview sounds like? Uh, well, a Manny, uh, interview usually sounds like, well, um, I, he went to make, uh, the people happy, um, and have a good fight. Yeah. It's not the blow blow. I think you're, you're damn right. You nailed it. That's, that's the end of the interview. Yeah. Uh, so Keith knows that he's got to be a little saucy, a little spicy. I think he also knows that like 
look, it's time to become a crossover star. We have the platform of Fox. Let's do this thing. But he certainly went next level, Rafe. It's something that came out during the PBC's face-to-face episode. It came out during their press conference tour. It came out during this interview, the idea that I'm not just going to retire and knock out Manny. I'm going to crucify him. Going next level, trying to get under Manny's skin. Um, I'm not going to sit here and ask you if it's too far because I don't really think it is. And this is also boxing. It's the red light district of sports. Boxing is a hood sport. Angel. He told may us. have had a little too much to drink when he said yes. that. Yes. Uh, right. we, we are used to a tug and war of kindness, but when you're, but my question really is this. Is it a smart move? Is it smart to poke the bear and get happy good guy Senator Manny actually thinking, according to Justin Fortune and Freddie Roach, oh, he's ready to go in there and knock this guy out and make him pay for it? Um, Brian, I don't think that. <laughs> Manny will be any more or less motivated to go and give his best performance, regardless of what Keith Thurman says to him. I like he, Manny's going to come in and fight, and and he's going to and he's going to react and respond in the ring and try to execute whatever game plan they've worked on. And I, I just don't. I, I think that at this level, these fighters are not getting are, are usually not getting emotionally involved in, at this level, and I don't think that the the re, sort of pseudo religious commentary from Keith Thurman is the straw that broke the camel's back and somehow turned like awakened a, a, a new monster in Manny. I, again, we say this every time. The one there's one surefire way to get. The real, you know, to light a fire under Manny's butthole. And that is to punch him hard in the face and he wait for him to smack his gloves together. <laughs> and then he's going to come after you like a house on fire. And I hope it happens because when that happens, great, it, it, like the, the fight, it just reaches a new level of excitement and intensity. And I do hope that happens. I think that. I wouldn't be surprised if anything, Brian. So, so, so let's say that this does work on some level that, that Manny is mad and he does really go after Thurman. I think that actually could play into Thurman's hands. I think that that, that, that might help Thurman set some traps and catch Manny rushing in because that is what Manny has done his entire life in a boxing ring is rush in. He's just so fast, explosive and good. He gets an, an unorthodox. He gets away with it, but. He does get caught. Sometimes he gets caught real bad. And Thurman has still, has a little bit of pop that, that, that could really, uh, make him pay for, for the, for rushing in like that. So if, if it does work, if it, if it gets Manny to be reckless, that could be good for Keith Thurman. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, it, it could. Because here's the, here's the thing I'm looking at it like. If I'm Keith, if you're going to win this fight, you got to be Keith from the Sean Porter fight. You have to be the old Keith Thurman. You have to be one time. The guy who digs in and fights and doesn't do what he did against Danny Garcia, which is just kind of F around during the final three rounds and hope you get the decision. And then certainly you add in the scare of the Lopez fight. You add in the two years off of injury. If he's not going to come back in this fight and be Kurt Thurman of old, he can't win. You cannot try to outbox, even at 40, Manny Pacquiao with that speed and those angles and hope you're going to get a decision. I just don't think it's possible. I think Jeff Jeff Hawn was actually in a different case because he was so big and he turned it into a brawl. So the idea of, well, then I have to make Manny try to get, try to come and fight me. Maybe that is his smartest move to try to get Manny off the path and the idea of being conservative. But here's the question I want you to answer, Rafe. 
This is a 50-50-50. This is a 50-55. And it probably shouldn't be in reality. In reality, Thurman should be heavily favored, but we have to take into account the Lopez fight and the two years off. So that changes the equation. Just like in reality, Manny at 40 probably shouldn't be this good and shouldn't be this close to trying to prove he's still the best welterweight. But it is what it is, and that's why this is a 50-50 fight, and that's why this fight is great, and it matters so much, because they're coming together at almost oddly even terms, even though one guy's 40 and a legend, and one guy's 30 trying to reclaim what he just recently was. So who actually has more questions coming into this fight? Is it, can 40-year-old Manny actually beat a young, prime, hungry lion? Not a Jeff Horn, not a faded... uh uh, new Manny Pacquiao and Matisse, right? Not a even, you know what I mean? Not any of those guys. This is prime unbeaten champion who can box and punch. Or are the Thurman questions even more in need of explaining given the egg he laid against Jose Cito? So Brian, I have the question that, that I, that sort of tortures me on this one that I, I think about and can't really convince myself one way or the other about has more to do with Manny and it's to what extent is the him looking good in the last two fights to what extent is that a result of matchmaking because we've because he's done this that was matchmaking was a, as great as Manny is and was matchmaking was a factor in that rise through the weight classes right all those years when he wasn't giving Juan Manuel Marquez a third fight, he was fighting David Diaz. He was fighting Ricky Hatton. He was eh, like, these are good fights, but these were people that you could see how Manny was going to beat them. Are you calling this a run of performance enhancing matchmaking? No, no, no. I don't mean, I mean, that's happening too. We know that's happening. But what I mean is it's just that these the, Matisse and Broner were tailor-made. They're good opponents, yes. but they were tailor-made. You knew that Matisse, unless he landed one perfect punch, was going to fold. That Manny was more active, more aggressive, and and Matisse just it doesn't stand, stand up well to the fight turning against him. You knew that Broner was going to stand there, fight a decent defensive fight, and do nothing to win. So there was very little risk in some ways even though they were solid matchups it's 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 weird to say that and it's it's almost it feels a little unfair to say that but at the same time i really believe that that these were they were very safe matchups for for manny and keith thurman if he fights like you said like the old keith thurman is not that for for even a a rejuvenated version of manny at 40 years old Keith Thurman is a is a fighter who should, at their respective points in their careers, probably beat forty year old Manny. I don't. I, I, so I basically I'm I'm trying to figure out was what we saw against Matisse and Thurman uh, Matisse and Broner real, or was it how much of it? Um, yes, it was real, but how much of it was goosed along by having the right people in front of him? It's a great question. There were two important – well, there's a bunch of important things that came out of the PBC face-to-face show and overall the time I spent with both fighters. But two interesting questions and points made. One was Thurman echoing what you just said. He's like, okay, great. You can keep saying that Manny beat Adrian Broner 12 rounds to nothing. 
but there was nothing coming back at him. You weren't getting punched in the face, Manny. So he makes a great point. Broner is not only a more defensive style when he moves up against elites, but there's a certain point in every fight where Broner realizes I'm getting outclassed here. I'm just going to kind of pack it up and survive. And Rafe, he tried to survive against Pacquiao, especially after round seven and nine when he got wobbled and rocked and, and had to really cover up. He's like, no, I'm, I'm doing this for the hood. I'm going to finish this fight. The other point is Manny. I must have asked him nine different ways, nine different times. Is it better for you if this fight is a boxing match or a war? And I'm saying that thinking after Manny got sent to hell by Juan Manuel Marquez in the fourth fight, you know what happened next, Rafe. Freddie Roach on this show a couple weeks ago confirmed it. Manny became more of a safer boxer using his speed and footwork against Brandon Rios, against Chris Algeria. I know he floored Algeria like six times, but he was a guy who wasn't, you know, against Jesse Vargas, wasn't in there to take monster chances anymore, right? Slowly, the old man is coming back. Slowly. Against Jeff Horn because he had to. Against guys who weren't throwing back like Matisse and Broner. So I asked him, what's better for you? Rafe, he was like overwhelmingly beyond a doubt, 100%, I want a war. I hope it's a war. I'd prefer it's a war. Does Manny really want that smoke, Rafe? Um, <clears throat> I mean, Brian, he could say that, but... He's, he didn't fight recklessly against Matisse or Broner at all. I didn't think he didn't, he wasn't diving in. I mean, he always falls into shots a little bit, but he wasn't, it wasn't like turn back the clock all the way to uh, Marco Antonio Barrera 2003, where it's basically like just this insane, fast, powerful, Reek chasing you around with a hammer of a left hand and just launching it from all angles at all times, never stopping. You know, it, it wasn't that. It was still Manny boxing, looking for openings and, and, and creating angles and then striking when it made sense. And I think that's what we'll see again. I, I don't, I still think that the boxer Manny is, is the Manny that exists today. Okay. So let's not fall in love with a fighter who no longer exists. Of course. Now, look, you heard in that interview, Thurman was very willing to take my hard questions of saying, look, Keith, there's a lot of people. And when I say that, I mean me. Yeah, I said it. I mean me. There's a lot of people. Brian Campbell as well. All right. Let's just say it how it is. Brian Campbell believes, Keith, that you're not the same guy anymore from the Thurman fight. And I'm trying to figure out. And Riff, you and I did a great riff about this after Thurman beat Josecito Lopez, but had to, like, hang on in that seventh round specifically to do so, that we just came to a conclusion that he doesn't have the it anymore. He doesn't have that go get him anymore. And I, and we, you know, I don't want to rehash that and go back and forth on that. But I thought Keith's response to that was, you know, a little political, but he addressed it. But for the sake of this fight, without going back down and rehashing that again, did he fall too much in love with boxing does he not like to brawl as much as we want him to? Does being away for two years and getting married and doing a ton of tugging wars of kindness soften him? Like, I guess I'm fueling all this to you to say, can he still be one time in this fight if he has to? Um, what is one time? What is, I mean, give and take. Who? Sean Porter, revisit their collaboration, Rafe, 2016. All okay, right? that was a good collaboration, but the, uh, that, that happened because of 
Sean Porter fighting like the Sean – I mean, talk about another guy who's changed his style up a little bit. That was Sean Porter fighting the Sean Porter of old style. I thought Sean Porter getting, was getting up in that ass. Exactly, trying to get deep in there. And I don't know why I said that. Oh, um, wow. This, this is right. a Birdo. All right. <laughs> um, but other than that, I mean, one time Keith Thurman – When's the last time, what, he's beating Diego Chavez? Like, what are we talking about here? Does Keith John Zavik? Let me ask you this. Are we not publicizing enough? Like, remember when we finally woke up one day and goes, oh, my God, it's like six years since Manny's knocked anybody out. And then that became a thing until he hit the eight-year mark and finally knocked out Matisse. Are we not waking up to the fact, Rafe, that Keith one time Thurman hasn't knocked a fool out in a long time? Brian, you you said it, and I'll say it again. Do not fall in love with a fighter who no longer exists. These are two fighters who no longer exist fighting each other. But what if one does exist? That's the oh, that's, that's so that's Teddy the Atlas. Wire wrinkle. Oh, that that was very Teddy Atlas too. That was that was uh yeah. I don't really know how to respond to that. It was. Uh, do you believe in flying kangaroos, Rafe? You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Okay. Wow. Yep. It is hot. Yep. Wow, it is good. Yep, yep. Going back, you're excited. Uh, well, it's, it's a hard on day. All right. So, Rafe, uh, all right. So, there's two questions in that asking you if Keith can still be one time. There's the can he be one time if Manny overwhelms and hurts him? Can he fight his way out? And then there's the if he's losing on the scorecards but not getting hurt, can he step on the gas and be one time again to try to hurt Manny? I don't want to go through the efforts of going to this fight and the fans paying for this fight and building up the anticipation for this fight only to get there and see Keith Thurman do his own version of what Adrian Broner did, which is essentially if – and Manny's made a lot of people do this, by the way, obviously, which is that decision where you go, I might get dropped and stopped if I keep trying to win this fight. Is Keith better than that? Is he above that, Rafe? Why are we having this conversation basically asking ourselves is Keith is a wimp? Oh, come on now. Come on. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go. Look, there's, if he, there's a, there's a version of that that executes a smart game plan, basically does what Keith Thurman has done to win a lot of his recent fights at, at Walterweight, uh, which has been, and not a recent, I guess doesn't count because they go back because he's out for two years, but, um, the, basically the Guerrero on, uh, version of the PBC era of, of Keith Thurman from 2015 on, a lot of that has been about having success early or a lot of early knockdowns or just hurting a guy early, then boxing in the back half and sometimes too often to his de- detriment, coasting a little too much. I could see a version of that happening in this fight again. And I could, I honestly could also see Keith Thurman winning that way, you know, if he, if he, if he executes it right, if he disciplines Manny early, maybe scores a flash knockdown early, then just lets the, the, the fight play out and boxes and doesn't do a whole lot and may, and, and kind of hopes that Manny upholds his end of the bargain, which we saw him do once before against Floyd Mayweather. Now, obviously a much different fighter, but if I don't, I don't know. I th- look. I think Manny still has a little bit of risk averseness in him, and that's fine. I mean, he's forty years old. He, it's hard. We we know exactly why Manny has that. 
We saw why. It happened in 2012, December. That'll teach you Juan Manuel Marquez on all of the Godzilla blood in the world <laughs> will will teach you how to be a little bit risk-averse. That's fair. That's true. That is what it is right there. Man, I'm fired up for this fight, though, Rafe, because what do I want to see? What's what's the best-case scenario? A high-speed chess, a two-way firefight at times, right? Seeing that Manny of old, seeing Thurman answer and have a stick, there is potential, Rafe, given their styles, for some really educated, fun, quick boxing. Maybe not for a war or a brawl. Probably not going to happen. But for a fun-ass, high-energy fight. A lot of potential here. So, Rafe... There's Brian... More than anything, I'm sorry, just listening to you talk about it, the, 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 and I do love this about this fight, is I can talk myself into every version of this fight happening. Every version. Right, I, I've been sitting a there bad thinking version. like, you know what? What's... Actually, now that I've just said all this stuff about them, just maybe it being a little bit of a letdown, now maybe it will be a brawl. Like I, 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 I am ping-ponging off the walls trying to figure out what this is going to look like. That, that is, that really does get me excited about this. All right. Will there be a retirement after the fight? Yes or no? Well, um, I believe Richard Dwyer believes there will be. <laughs> I would not be surprised if a guy retires after this fight. I would not be surprised if the person who ends up retiring is Keith Thurman. Oh, Certainly. come on, Rich. I mean, he'd have to get KO'd out cold to consider that, right? Come on. All right. Uh, Rafe, what's at stake, honestly, in this fight? What, what's actually at stake in this fight? Well, I would say definitely the future of Manny Pacquiao's career, like how much more will he, if, if he loses, will there be a reason for, I guess, I guess, you know, obviously he'll still be worth a lot of money. There, there could, he could still fight on, but it seemed, it would seem like, uh, why, why bother at that point? Um, but he also loves to fight. Keith Thurman, I think there's a lot at stake for him. He's he's fighting to prove that he hasn't lost it, that he that he still has the desire to be a world class prize fighter because people are questioning that. I I don't like to do that. I think it's a little unfair. You remember when we did when when there was three years of everyone of the of the conventional wisdom saying that Nonito Donaire didn't like boxing. Oh, he doesn't really seem like he likes to fight. He's just a talented guy. The man is still fighting like eight years later and fighting his ass off sometimes and, and maybe getting sent to hell later this year. <laughs> um, uh, but just, you know, the, that questioning these guys when fighting is what they do, I, I always kind of balk at that. Even if they don't express it in the same way that, it, that, that every other fighter does and, and, Keith Thurman is definitely weird when it comes to self-expression. Like, you know, he, he, he plays his fight through the flute or whatever, but, um, I don't, I'm just not going to question that about him, but, but that, but people are, and he, and if, and he needs to, I do think that he has a chance to, with a win or a great performance, show that that, put that, put that suspicion to bed. I think the the biggest prize that's a, I mean like the WBA title is going to be unified I guess here uh nobody cares the biggest prize really I think is is PBC setting up its own bracket which they've kind of slowly been doing um it's not likely right now I don't think that anyone fights Bud Crawford 
I think Bob's going to have to get desperate a year from now. And by the way, I think you saw those Bud Crawford rumors that uh, Mean Machine is looking like he's next. And we kind of all knew that it'd either be one of my Ukrainian, one of my Lithuanians, uh, Besputin or uh, Kavajuskis. Um, I do think eventually we'll get, you know, Spence Crawford if Spence comes out on on it and we'll eventually get that joint pay-per-view. But in the meantime, what's really at stake for the winner here is to win the PBC welterweight title. They have a chance to. The winner of this, in all likelihood, will face the winner of Porter Spence. Maybe not next. Maybe next, you know, spring or May or whatever. But you're really, if you're Keith Thurman, you prove that you're back and you have a potential chance to unify and move up and do that against Spence if it gets by Porter. So really, from a big-time star standpoint and the fact that the PBC has these deals with networks like Fox, pretty that's why we could say it's the biggest fight of the year. That's why you can make that case, Rafe. Rafe. Yeah, you can make that case. You know, I mean, if you listen to Errol Spence, however, he will tell you that Keith Thurman is getting injured before Spence Thurman ever happens. That is very true. That is very true. He may never, he may never step up and fight him there. Wow. Okay. When Keith Thurman, he's gonna stay injured as long as I keep winning. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't think me and him ever gonna fight. No, it is all about the lube, though. Okay, Rafe. Uh, X's and O's here. Um. How does Manny win? Manny Manny wins if if the suspicions about Keith Thurman are not right. Are, are I mean are correct. If if man if Keith Thurman has lost a little bit of desire, if he isn't as invested fully in the sport as he used to be because Manny has shown that pretty much across the board he can still come to fight no matter how old he gets. He still, even even when he, I I believe that he had a bad camp going into that Jeff Horn fight, and it and it contributed to him struggling to the degree that he did. Even though I thought he won that fight, um, he still he still comes in and fights. He fights like a tough tough gang member, and Keith Thurman had hasn't done that in, in some recent fights. So, um, if if the if the suspicions about Keith Thurman are true, uh, or they play out as if they are true in this fight, then I think that Manny, I think that Manny outfights him. I think that he outworks him. I think that he could potentially stop him. Wow, um, wow. Well, that's not a wow actually, because Jose Cito Lopez had him rocked and on the ropes, and we've never thought of Lopez, especially at welterweight, as a big puncher. What a, we think of him you as said a, aggressive. Nose, Brian. What about the southpaw issue? You know, we, Luis Colazo gave Keith Thurman a little bit of a scare. Now that was on a body shot. Manny doesn't go too hard to the body with his left, but you never know. Um, just in general, Keith Thurman and southpaws, you might, does, does that give you any, any, yeah, any I pause? think that plays into the idea of if we find out early in this fight you can't hit in your speed, son. that Manny is faster, substantially faster than Keith Thurman. This could be a long night for Keith Thurman if he's not going to bite down and go for it, right? If this is like a, oh, my God, because even at 40, Rafe, there's something special that Manny does. It's the combination of the speed and the angles that you can't really prepare for. Who else is going to mimic that in camp? He has a special formula that has gotten him very far, and he can still do it. Broner still had no idea how to deal with that. So if he starts finding Keith's chin, yeah, what do you got? What do you got? No, what you mentioned Manny's special formula, and that just reminded me that 
just it, it, we should mention, we should remember here, we should be a little bit responsible and remember that there's some really fishy stuff going on with the drug testing uh, around this fight. There oh. is no VADA testing for yes. this fight. NSAC is doing some version of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, sorry, is doing some version of advanced testing that we don't really know what it is. There, basically, I think we are concluding that it is below the standard that, that both fighters have, have held themselves to for, you know, most of their major fights in, in the, over the last five, six years. And that's, that, that warrants some concern and, and, uh, some skepticism. It does. It does. You could talk to yourself and say, well, May Pac, Mayweather Pacquiao didn't have Vada. They used USADA back before USADA signed with UFC and kind of cleaned up their name to a certain degree. So you could say, well, is it any different than that? Well, if you believe that USADA's in these other, or if you believe anybody but Vada has some loopholes, then yes. You should look at this fight as a, hmm, why wouldn't you use Vada if it's cheaper and it tests for more? It's really where we're at in 2019 boxing. It's sad. It really is. Um, I hope this doesn't tell us what we feel like it may be telling us. But, Rafe, if it was telling us what we feel like it may be telling us from an entertainment standpoint, would you buy? Would you say, okay, yeah, I'm cool with it? I was cool with 61 home runs and 70 home runs and 73. I'm cool with this. Brian, I loved it. I think that's magic. <laughs> oh yeah! Wow. Um, yeah. By the way, did, are you have you been following the Ryan Garcia baby mama drama on Twitter? This guy's got to get this thing locked up. Okay. Oh, I, I looked into it a little bit, and I, I didn't like what I saw, and I, I tried to get very far away from that. Do you remember that time, Rafe? What fight was that? Canelo Triple G one. That okay. was September, right? Yes. Yeah. That we went to that dinner with Oscar was there. Golden of Boy course. Media dinner. We had a grand old time. That was, was that the night that he that he clowned Dan Rayfield like it is. He, he sent Dan the man to oh hell. Oh my god! On our Patreon after dark show, we'll tell that story one time. But um, do you remember I I asked him? Like, hey, man, you got this young kid, Ryan Garcia, who looks like fantastic, like he could be somebody, and he may be, he may break your record for, uh, for chicks too. And I'm like, what's the one thing that's going to keep him from going to the top? And Oscar, Oscar had a few pops in him, and he turned to me and he goes, not wearing a condom. And he was like, basically, like, if we can prevent this guy from getting anyone pregnant, he's got a shot to be something. That always echoes in my head, Rafe. That was off, that was probably, was that on the record? That was on the juice, the, on the sauce. Yeah. All right. End of story. All right. I, should I finish? I, 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 yeah, I just like to think about, you know, Oscar talking about wearing condoms, wearing fishnets, you know. I mean, you know, Oscar was a freak. We don't have to give him that. Anthony Josh was, what, like 6'7", six, 6'8"? Six, yeah. And he's muscular and he's, he's built like a – looks like a freaking goddess, you know? Yeah, that is true. Um, all right, back to this fight. Uh, if Keith Thurman can't handle the speed, it's going to be interesting. Manny's tough night out. Is let's not forget Thurman can box. He mixes speed and power well. If Thurman can establish his jab against the southpaw who darts in and can begin to set up a home for that right hand, then Manny's gonna have to have a plan B. When was the last time we saw power dissuade Manny? I'd have to say the Floyd fight. You gotta give Floyd credit. 
both early in rounds one and two, and then again in rounds 10, 11, and 12, Floyd stood, sat down on his right hand. Remember when Floyd used to give away rounds against everybody to read them? Forget, he didn't do that against Manny. He knew the seriousness of that fight. He knew he may need every round. He sat down on right hands, and it didn't stop Manny from coming forward because, to be honest, that's the only way Manny knows how to box, but it did stop him from being reckless, Rafe. Can Thurman discipline the senator early enough to win early rounds? Because people don't tend to win early rounds against Manny. No, you're right. And it's, it's, I think that he can. He's one of the few opponents in, you know, shoot, Manny's entire run that, that you could see that happening because he does box well early. He counters well. You could see him landing clean, effective punches while Manny tries to make things happen. You could also see Manny dropping that left hand in and, and taking over the fight very early. I think that, I, I honestly think the early success may, uh, will, de- I think the early, su- er, er, I think that early success is very important for Keith Thurman. I think that if he doesn't have early success, he could be in trouble all night long. I think that Manny, Will, he, he's a, he's basically, he's a 12 round fighter. He doesn't fight every minute of every round, but he can get stuff done at any point in time. And, and if Thurman fades, then maybe, you know, we could see him pull a Josecito and actually finish Thurman if he catches him with something like that. Wow. So, um, I'm not saying I, I believe that's going to happen. I just feel like Manny is, has, Manny does not need to, to, uh, to win the early rounds in the same way that I think Thurman needs to. Thurman predicted a knockout on this show earlier in the show in, in four rounds or less at his, uh, recent, uh, gym media day. He pre- predicted a knockout of six rounds or less. Does he believe that, Rafe? Does he believe what he's saying? In his mind, is Manny gonna walk into his power and get, get dropped a few times? I could see him believing that he's going to land those punches. I could see him believing that he could hurt, maybe knock down Manny. I Manny has a chin, Rafe. He sure does. He, uh, you know, you unless he's going, unless Thurman is going to land the perfect punch with all of the strength of Memo Heredia behind it, then I don't see him knocking Manny out. A uh, quote from Thurman's Media Day, quote, this is history in the making. This is one of the best fights all year. This is the biggest fight of my career. You see a lot of fight posters in this gym. I remember when Winky Wright fought Sugar Shane Mosley. I remember when he fought Tito Trinidad. For me, this is my Mosley. This is my Tito Trinidad moment. I get to show the world that Keith one-time Thurman is a, not just a great champion. He can also beat legends. Rafe, when he says this is my Tito moment, I hope he doesn't mean... What happened to Tito in that fight against Winky Wright when he came in with that great haircut and then lost every second of every round? Hopefully not. Uh, Keith Thurman, he's, he's not afraid to go off the dome. And sometimes when he's just speaking extemporaneously like that, you could tell it gets a little off the rails. All right. Prediction time, Rafe. It's time to put your money where your mouth is. All right, Rafe? Yeah, I'm ready. What do you got? Who wins and how? Jeez, Brian, I, I'm, I'm doing somersaults over this fight, trying to come up with a version of, of, that I feel more confident in. I'm torn between Thurman landing some good early punches, countering well early, 
and basically cruising to a decision. I could see that happening. If it doesn't happen, I think Manny outworks him, outfights him, and I don't. I man, I, I I'm I I really am fifty fifty. So I guess I will go with uh. I, I was about to go with the Homer, not quite Homer, but the semi Homer take and say Manny. But shoot, man! As soon as I start to say it, I start thinking in the other direction. Ah, I'm gonna do it. Um. So I yeah, I think Manny. Manny is the more is the safer bet in this fight. That's a great way of saying it. It's he is funny. the more consistent okay, I've been, item. I've been back and, and forth with yeah. you on. Oh, sorry. F- f- finish your prediction. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll finish off. Uh, I think I should finish. Um, Manny's the more consistent. You know what you're getting out of him. You know how he's going to fight. You, uh, you're pretty sure that he's going to last 12 rounds. Um, so I, I would, I would go with him to outfight, outwork, and outpoint. Thurman, hopefully in a fun fight. I don't, I possibly, I could see it ending in a stoppage. I could see there being some knockdowns, but I wouldn't necessarily count on it. I think it would just be a, you know, sort of a good, uh, some action, some boxing, a little bit of staring across the ring at each other, fainting, um, but, but Manny winning by, by majority decision or something like that. I've been so torn, Rafe, on this. I've been so back and forth. It's insane. You just talk, hearing your breakdown, it's like, now I want to pick Manny. Now I can imagine it exactly how it's going to happen. And it's like, you know, Thurman looked great against a Danny Garcia who doesn't move his feet enough. He did it against a Sean Porter who back then was predictably just rushing in. And it was like, okay, you can time him. You can't really time Manny. You can't really pick up on his rhythms. It's hard. This may be a perfect way or hedge bet. It may be one of those where you predict Thurman, but when you go to the window, you bet Manny because Manny's the safer bet. But in the end, Rafe, I will go wire to wire on my original take. I gave this take for PBC Countdown. They didn't end up using it on the show. But Thurman's 10 years younger. He's in the midst of his prime. Yes, there's questions with the injuries and how he looked against Jose Cito. But I remember that it's in there, that there is a Keith one-time Thurman. I've seen it before. And Keith one-time Thurman at 30 should beat 40-year-old Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, he could have trouble with the speed of the angles in the beginning, but he should Sit down on his punches and tag him with things and make Manny decide, do I actually at 40 want to brawl? Do I want to be in this kind of fight? Or am, if, or am I content to only outbox guys who aren't throwing back? What if I'm throwing back? I think while Manny feels like the safer bet in a lot of ways, the safer bet is that younger great fighter typically always beats older great fighter. Manny is a much better fighter historically at this point than Thurman. But if Thurman is going to commit to letting his hands go, this ain't Matisse. This ain't Broner. We saw Jeff Hawn. Who's Jeff Hawn? Nobody. Wait, wait, sorry. Let me amend that. He was a real man, Brian. Yeah, so Jeff Hawn's a real man, and he had size. No, Thurman's not as big as him, but Thurman's got a size advantage here. And Manny had some troubles with a guy who was in his face. No, Thurman doesn't do the rhythm pressure method from the great Glenn Rushton. But I think Thurman can win a close decision in which he's going to have to outbox at times and he's going to have to just straight up punch at times. And there will be those rounds, Rafe, where you're like, well, I did like those two hard hooks that Thurman liked that hit. Do I like them better than Manny's quickness and jabs? It's going to be a fun fight. It's going to be high-speed chess. 
But the 30-year-old Thurman has to win, Rafe, because if he doesn't win this, then I don't think he ever was who he thought he was. And I think he knows, legacy-wise, he has to get to that Spence fight. He has to give himself a chance to make the claim that he's the best welterweight in the world right now. He was the best welterweight in 2017 when Floyd walked away and Manny was quasi-washed and Thurman had the best resume. I have to believe that Tiger's still in him, Rafe. That lion, free him. Let him out the cage. He's listening well to his wife for the last two years. Now it's time to be a man. Now it's time to dig in and say, Senator, you want to fight? Let's fight. Because I'm willing to go out on my shield to get... Oh, no. Do I really trust that Keith's willing to go out on his shield? No, don't I? Still, Keith by... I might flip yours and say Keith by majority decision. Keith by split decision. Keith, Keith, one time, this one time, it will be the right time. It's one time versus all time, and it's Keith one time's night. All right? No, no, no. This is Keith's Brian, night. Brian, I listened to your prediction. Sounded boring. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to it again. Still sounded boring. No movement? No, uh... Just look at the stiffness. Nothing like that, right? No panache. All right. Waste of money. All right, let's keep speeding on here, Rafe. Um, Let's go through this undercard, okay? You don't have to go long, but just give me a feeling here. I thought this was a really damn good pay-per-view undercard in 2019. You hate it, and that's fine, Rafe. I crapped on it. I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm telling you I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be enjoying it. Co-main event... Your Dennis Ugas, fresh off that close loss to Sean Porter, in which he fought very well but just kind of did Cuban things, against Omar Figueroa Jr., putting that unbeaten record on the line. He's got one of those Heather Hardy-type unbeaten records where we've seen him lose like five times, yet he's still unbeaten. WBC welterweight title eliminator. Is this going to be action? Can Figueroa make Ugas fight? No. Figueroa, what's he going to weigh? How? What is he going to weigh for this fight? 160? Is he coming in at... at, at... <laughs> Chavez wait? Who the heck knows what you're getting out of this guy? I don't know why he keeps getting these opportunities. Um, uh, it's a pain in the butt, man. Um, and, and he's also just not as good as, as Ugas. Ugas is a, is a natural welterweight. He's in shape. He's not very exciting, but he's good and he will outmove and outbox and easily outpoint Figueroa. You may be right on that. Like, I want to love the potential for violence, but I don't trust Figueroa's skills, even as a volume, poor man's poor, uh, big baby, what's his name? Baby Bull Juan Diaz. Figueroa's kind of a poor man's that, right? Not a lot of pop, but just comes at you all night. Yeah, yeah, but. But Dennis but, too big, too good for this. Yeah. All right. Sergey Lipinets against John Molina Jr., 10 rounds welterweights. Rafe, this is a guaranteed war. And I think that, I mean, Molina's been through the, he's been through it, Rafe. 47, maybe not his best weight class, although that right hand will keep him in any fight. You know what Mikey Garcia said on food truck dryeries to Brendan Schaub on Showtime's digital? Errol Spence never hurt him. Never did. Never hurt him. But Sergey Lipinets hurt him three times, Rafe. Does that change your prediction at all for this fight? Well, no, because I was going to predict Lipinets no matter what. Um, I think, look, it will be action if if Molina still has one, another, I mean, and it's asking a lot. He's put in some great, crazy warp style performances over the years. If he does have another one in him, then this will be a fun fight because that he'll, you know, he'll, he has that right hand. Lipinets will be in his ass, so to speak, 
beaten on it and, and, and will, and Molina will have to pull something out of his ass to, to, to sort of win that fight. Um, but no, I, I, I'm a little, I, I, my only fear here is that Molina just can't stand up to this kind of firepower at this weight, at this point in his career. And it could be a quick sort of steamrolling fight, but at least it would be not a long, boring fight if that happens. On the good side, it could be a really fun fight. Yeah. Either way, Lipinets, I think, wins probably by stoppage. He's really good, Ray. If you saw him in that fight of the year contender against Lamont Peterson, he's really good. Uh, Luis Neri to open this pay-per-view card against Juan Carlos Payano. Bantamweight, should we care? Yeah, hell yeah. This is my favorite undercard fight, you, you, you dirty mother. Uh. <laughs> um, Yes, not that I don't know how good it's going to be, but basically this is the this is here to whet our appetites for the eventual Nary Inoue grudge match uh. super fight at bantamweight or super bantamweight if they both go up because we already saw what Inoue could do to Payano. It took about thirty seconds and one punch. Blah! Yeah, this can is... Nary Nary can't top that, but can he do something impressive or really amazing in its own right? Um, because Nary is looking like the other guy in that division or in that in and around that weight area, and also on top of that, Nary's got the history of being banned in Japan, banned in Japan for twice going over there and and playing weight and clambuterol games with poor Shinsuke Yamanaka and not sending him to hell twice under dubious circumstances. <laughs> He's banned in Japan. Wow. Inoue will want to avenge the honor of his countrymen, and this is setting that up. I'm excited for this. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Thank you. If we can get Inoue on PBC, which I've heard rumors, that could be something special. Thank you. All right, Rafe. Uh it's this Fox main event before the pay-per-view card. Hey, I give Fox credit for doing this. They're, they're of course, going to do a deeper undercard pregame show. And the main event of their free-on-Fox show will be Caleb Plant defending his IBF super middleweight title against former unbeaten. He's, he's unbeaten. Former light heavyweight contender. Not even a contender. Sorry. Mike Lee, who will move down from light heavyweight to fight for this title. You, of course, know him from his Subway national ad sponsorship. And now... You will hear his story. Let's do it. Let's bring on Notre Dame's Mike Lee right now. Coming at you. Enjoy. Mike Lee, how are you, sir? Hey, Brian. How are you? Doing great, man. Excited to get to talk to you. You're a name so many boxing fans have known for a long time. Yet at the same time, I feel like we only know you surface level. So this this fight, this is your close-up. How fired up are you? I'm really excited. It means the dream come true. I, I had 21 and 0 now and excited to make it 22 and 0, but you know, it's been a long, long road, man. A lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of people doubting me. Uh, times I doubted myself, um, in and out of the ring and, and here we are. So it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. I'm really excited. We're fired up for this fight for, of course, the IBF super middleweight title, unbeaten Caleb Plant. On the Pacquiao Thurman Fox pay-per-view card, but on that main Fox showcase, 
I mean, this has to be the biggest audience, I would assume, you're going to be competing in front of, performing in front of. What is this, aside from the, the world title opportunity, how important is it for you to be in this spot, on this showcase, on this card? I mean, this is everything I worked for, you know, um, my entire career, to be on these big stages. And I fought on ESPN. I fought on, uh, you know, many different big platforms. So this is just another exciting culmination of a long, long career. And I'm just grateful really to be here. I mean, um, there were times in and out of the rain with injuries that uh, I didn't think I would be. And so um, I'm making the most out of this and, and I'm coming for it, but I'm really excited. And anytime the stage is really big like this, I always tend to rise to the occasion. So, um, you know, really looking forward to it. All right, when 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 fans, critics, uh, experts look at this fight, there there's so many unknowns. We've never seen you on the title level before, but I think even more importantly, Mike, we haven't seen you at 168 pounds. Talk about this weight cut. I think anyone that doesn't know the situation would be like, "This guy's crazy." Are you crazy, Mike Lee? Talk about this. Anybody's crazy that hops in the ring. So yeah, I, I obviously got a little crazy in me, but no, when I heard the opportunity for this world title. Um, I said yes right away. I knew we could make 168. I mean, listen, no one likes weight cuts. It's never fun. It's any fighter will tell you. But at the end of the day, I've had a phenomenal team around me. And honestly, I'm in the best shape of my life right now. I think that maybe we should have moved down to 168 earlier because I feel strong. I feel fast. And we've really, it's the first time I've ever had a nutritionist with me 10 weeks out. You know, I never really had to worry about it at 175. So now we're coming in strong and bringing that power down to 68 and um it's it's going to be really exciting so you're going to be the bigger man as they say in this fight i think if anyone looking at look we know what caleb clam can do quick hands defense all of that but what are you going to bring to the table that maybe he hasn't seen that maybe he's not prepared for in this fight i mean i'm going to bring my athleticism my power and my boxing skill too you know i can do more than punch so that's the thing and, and the will to win I mean, I fought through broken ribs, broken noses, broken hands. I mean, um, I've gone through it all to get here. So, you know, I, July 20th is just another fight for me. What did you know about Caleb Plant before agreeing and signing to this fight? What was your opinion of him? I didn't know anything about him personally. Um, I'd seen him fight a few, few guys kind of coming up here and there, but I knew I could win. I mean, that was all I cared about. Uh, I saw his style, and I thought, this is a fight I can win, and I will win. And that's why I said, yeah. When we think of Mike Lee, we think Notre Dame, we think Subway. Before we get even further into the idea of this fight, take us back there. How you sort of became known before you really got deep into your pro career. How did all that stuff happen for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I lucked out, and I think any athlete or fighter would take advantage of it. It was incredible. I fought on ESPN, and the CMO of Subway at the time uh, reached out to my team and was like, you know, we they believed in me and they'd love to see how I was on camera. And so I started doing some focus groups and some testing on camera and I killed it for them. Next thing I know, I'm doing Super Bowl commercials and uh, Olympic commercials, standing next to guys like Blake Griffin and Michael Phelps. And, you know, I was only 4-0, and 5-0. and So it was a dream come true, man. Um, it, was, it was really incredible. And I always say anytime... I can make some money and not get punched in the face. That's a good day. <laughs> How much did that whole experience, you know, where you're getting sort of a, a quick brush with national fame, I don't know, make you want to get into the entertainment game, get into acting, do even do even things that go beyond boxing? Yeah, I mean, I had some fun doing it. I, I was in um, 
you know, I was in LA a lot and ended up being in a few shows and had some fun with that. I, I think, you know, it was something that was always kind of in the back of my mind, but, um, you know, it, it was, it was something that I knew I had to go for this goal of winning a world title and everything else got kind of pushed to the side, but, um, who knows, maybe one day. Now, when you get that sort of, uh, early recognition before, like you said, you were 4-0, and 5-0 when you got this national ad campaign. So you're certainly unproven as a professional, yet you start to get known. And obviously, anytime you're gonna have any success, you're gonna get cr- critics, you're gonna get haters, and the haters are like, why is this guy in the commercial? I haven't seen him do, you know, this and that yet. Was that hard for you to sort of get that, hey, you're gonna have to prove it to us first type of thing from the fans? I mean, when you're young, anytime you get criticism, uh, that, that's hard. But now, you know, I've been, been in the game a while and now I don't even look at it. It really concerns me. I mean, most of the critics are people that, uh, could never do what I do, step into the ring in front of thousands of people. And, you know, for me, it's, it's one of those things that I had the opportunity and I jumped at it. I'd be stupid if I didn't. So, um, I don't really get bothered by the critics and all that, all that kind of stuff. I think anytime you're doing something, important in life and you're chasing a dream and you're going after your passion you're gonna get haters you're gonna get critics to me that's a signal of what i'm doing is right and i'm doing and i'm I'm risking you know everything and i'm going for it so i i see it as motivation i see it as encouragement instead of looking at it the other way you know yeah yeah absolutely and i mean you've risen from that point 21 and 0 11 ko's entering your first title fight here this is obviously no joke but i i heard some of the words picked up that you mentioned to me about the journey to get to this point you mentioned there were some hard times can you expound upon those where maybe you thought it wasn't going to happen to get to this level what what did you have to go through during this rise yeah i mean obviously so many ups and downs throughout my career but most notably i was diagnosed with autoimmune disease a few years back that put me in the hospital uh for in and out for two years i got really sick my immune system shut down on me in some of the darkest times of my life and kept it quiet for a long time but now finally you know started coming out and telling my story of i've won seven fights since and i had doctors tell me to my face i was done fighting and i always believed that i wasn't um that i could get back in the ring and I've used it as a, you know, this platform to motivate other people that have been sick or whether it's any type of autoimmune disease or whatever it is they're dealing with to show you that, you know, mind over matter in a sense and that you can push through these obstacles. And that was some of the darkest times of my life, most painful times of my life and something that I'll deal with for the rest of my life. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's making this so much sweeter. The fact that here I am on a world stage fighting for a world title uh, it's incredible. So many people thought I couldn't do it. And even doctors said I couldn't do it. So I think it's a true testament of the human will. And, um, you know, I, I think it's July 20th is an incredible moment for me to prove that. I mean, that's certainly uh, hugely inspiring stuff. And when, when you hear people who have, I mean, look, you're, you're, this is a dangerous sport, but it's a sport at the end of the day, yet you've gone through and beaten some of these other life-threatening challenges before this how much does that just make you feel invincible when you're like i beat this this you know this disease or this or this challenge physically this fight against caleb plant while important i've been through worse does that sort of change your mindset in terms of what you're able to accomplish absolutely you know i think ultimately what i've gone through uh physically and mentally i mean i was on eight different medications i was I was severely depressed. It was painful in some of the darkest times of my life. And I feel like the fact that I've gotten through that and I can get through this and something tough like a training camp, um, you know, time after time and get to this level just proves that anything that 
I basically will deal with the rest of my life, I can get through, you know? Um, the fact that I got through that gives me those, that, um, understanding that if I dig down deep enough that, that I can do anything. And, and I truly believe that. For you and in, in your journey, even, uh, you know, as a kid and stuff, where do you think that toughness comes from? Is it, is it Midwestern Chicago toughness? Where does the sort of that, that resolve come from for you? You know, I think I got it from my parents. Both of them were, grew up in inner city Chicago really rough and worked really hard to give me and my sister the life that they never had. And that ideology of working hard and grinding and most importantly, getting knocked down seven times and getting back up eight. I mean, that was so important. I've had so many successes, so many failures in my life in and out of the ring, but that ideology of getting back up, I mean, literally and figuratively as a fighter, um, has been stuck with me since I was seven or eight years old. And, you know, I think it's honestly saved my life in some of the darkest times of my life when most people would have given up. And I'm here now uh, because of them. And so I'm just grateful for my parents of constantly instilling that, um, you know, ideology in me at a young age. Look, part of selling fights is selling stories, selling fighter stories, their journeys. And just hearing you talk about yours was interesting. You know, certain things I didn't know about when it comes to the idea of Fox and PBC selling Caleb Plant. Obviously, he has a very interesting story as well with losing his daughter at a young age, losing his mother recently, having to come up through poverty. Uh, how much do you respect as a man what he's gone through to get to this point? Yeah, I mean, I, I said right in the press conference, even if he wants to be disrespectful, I respect every fighter that hops in that ring. I mean, any fighter will tell you, to do what we do on this level takes everything you got mentally and physically, you know. So um, I respect everybody, all 21 opponents, you know. At the end of the day, this is a fight. And may the best man win. And I know that's going to be me, but on a personal level, I'm not the kind of guy that, likes to talk smack and really come at someone personally. Cause I, I don't know him personally. I don't know. Never met him up, up until this. So, um, for me, it's nothing personal for me, it's business. And for me, it's a chance to win this belt and it's going to take everything for him to stop me from doing that. And he doesn't have it. Did, were you turned off at all by the idea of some of the words he said? Because when I watched the initial press conference tour you guys were on, it's yeah, it took me off guard that Caleb was so zoned in and almost like a pro wrestling type promos he was cutting on you. I started to ask myself, like, is there something I'm missing? Are these guys enemies? And I just don't know it. What was your sort of reaction to that inside when he started jumping all over you? No, I don't think. I just think he doesn't know what to do. I think this is a huge moment and it's intimidating him. And I see insecurity when I see that. You know, he was trying to find flaws in me personally never met me before doesn't know my story so you know for me it, it doesn't matter you know people say stuff all the time i've had guys that have talked talk smack every single fight or guys that don't talk i beat them all that's the point and so this is no different there's nothing that can come out of his mouth that really affects me once that bell rings um so you know if that's the way he wants to go about it that's fine i'm just always going about it a classy respectful way um but you know that's what he wants to do and, and try to, I don't know, get in my head or dive into my personal life when he doesn't know me, then, you know, so be it. That's how he wants to do it. But that's not how I handle business. All I care about is winning the fight um, and knocking him out July 20th. Now, when we get to this fight, when we get to this, how much have you uh, literally had the dream? I know you've probably had the dream of being a world champion forever, but literally played it out in your dreams, in your mind, when you're hitting the bag and training of the idea of, 
of saying, and the new, of winning that world title, of having this moment. I mean, has it been visualized so many thousands of times that it, it's, it just seems automatic like it's going to happen for you? So many times. I visualize holding that belt. I visualize how I'm going to win and what I'm going to do. You know, there's so many studies that are coming out and so many athletes are getting into visualization and mental prep, and I've been doing it since day one. You know, I truly believe that perception is reality and in your mind, um, when you go over this over and over again with that top emotional state, that peak emotional state, when you step in the ring, you feel like you've already been there hundreds of times. Your cortisol levels are down, you're more focused. And so for me, you know, that's a huge factor of how I become 21 and 0, uh, which is not an easy feat. And that's how I'll get to 22 and 0 is, you know, I've visualized and dreamt of this moment for so long. Um, and I'm going to take advantage of it. That's a, this is a great story, Mike. It's great to hear the, the confidence in your voice, all you've gotten through to get to this point. This is a very interesting fight as, as a, as a fan and a journalist, because we don't know what's going to happen next. You're going to get that opportunity to rise up to a level we haven't seen before. So sort of final question, how much are you itching to show what you, what you fully have? And sometimes in this game, you don't get that chance to show everything you have until the other guy across the ring is great enough to bring it out of you. Oh, amen. I mean, that's it. I've always, the bigger the stage, the better I've performed. You know, coming up, any fighter knows this. You fight in small venues, and um, I fought in some big venues now, but it's always hit or miss, right? And my best performances have been at Cowboy Stadium, Madison Square Garden, on ESPN bigger stages. I just light up during that, and I think that's incredible. I'm not a gym fighter. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm a fight night fighter. And the beautiful thing is that's when we get paid and that's when you win the belt. So, um, you know, for me, I'm like you said, I'm, I'm itching to get in there and I can't wait to get out to Las Vegas. Great stuff, Mike. Can't wait to see this fight. Thank you so much for the time. Great hearing your story. Best of luck going for that title July 20th. Yes. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Take care. Rafe, we're back. Special thanks to Mike Lee. And full disclosure, we record this part before we record the Mike Lee part. So I have no idea what he just said, Rafe. But did you enjoy it? Mike Lee, you can't because you're not. And you ain't. Oh, how dare you? Because you won't. Yeah, give the man a chance. All right. From the lip to the cup. I know that you don't know what that means. All right. Uh, Rafe, let's talk about this fight. Caleb Plant, fresh off winning that world title. Dropping. What's that fella's name? Jose Uzcategui. A few times. Looking great. Does he have, let's say what it is. Does he have great white hope potential from a marketing standpoint? And to have that, obviously, you have to have the game to back it up. Now, he's not a Conor McGregor level trash talk if we're trying to fit a mold of a white star that he can fit into. But he does have the, the interesting backstory, the ups and downs of his personal life. Can Caleb Plant be a marketing force for PBC on national television? Possibly, yes. I don't I it's it's I it's interesting how to market a guy like Caleb Plant who obviously is a white guy but um carries himself with a little bit of Jason Williams white chocolate. Not um, not Jason you know, Williams 
the the net set. No, no, come on. Why do we always have to go to the to the poor limo driver getting shot in the face, Brian? Every time. Good Why would luck. You laugh about oh this? my god. god. Oh, um, that's alcohol no. induced. Getting hit behind the ear can make you drunk all night long. Yes, equal. yes, he, he he hit him behind the ear for sure. Keep going, Rafe. Um. I, so it'll be interesting to see how one, I, I imagine that Caleb Plant doesn't want to think of himself as a great white hope or hype and might be reluctant to accept that, that sort of marketing push. But at the same time, there's not uh, the, one of the, that is the, the fact of, of skin color in, in this country. It doesn't really matter what you want. If you, if you look the part, it could be that way. And, Maybe that's what happens. They just keep putting him on TV and, and, and he's good enough and entertain, not, yeah, he's entertaining enough too. He's good enough and entertaining enough and could appeal to people, to a lot of different people. I mean, it's not just like a, a cheap ploy to get like white people who don't like boxing to pay attention to it. He is someone who, Kim, who's a good fighter who, who people, uh, from all walks of life, all races, ethnicities could, could appreciate as a fighter. So yeah, I think he has some star potential. I don't, I don't know if I'm all the way in on him as a fighter, but I think that he's on a, he's got a great platform. I think that I think he will have his way with Mike Lee, who really has done nothing to deserve an opportunity at this level. The story of Mike Lee's career. Um, and from there, if Caleb Plant can go on and end up in a year or so fighting someone like David Benavidez, who's fighting for Andre Durrell's belt in, at 168 later this year, if they turn that into a, a big unification fight at 168, and Caleb Plant, I don't know if I would favor him in that, but if Caleb Plant could win that, after beefing with his little, with his yes, older, yes. smaller brother in that gym, Look, Caleb um, Plant made a leap with the Uskatsugi fight, Rafe. We didn't think he was that guy, and now suddenly it's like we know Dwyer's told us he has a great back foot game. I don't have the Dwyer sound because it's so preposterous, but he's basically comparing his defensive ability to like Floyd Mayweather and Pernell Whitaker, and like yeah. which, which I think is well, so. That's let's let, if we revisit that Uskatsugi collaboration. Plant fought real well. The knockdowns were spectacular, and and really put him way ahead on the cards. But yo, he, he, he did not get out of that fight unscathed. Yes. Like there were the late, in those late rounds, there was a little bit of tension over, hmm, I don't know, man. Luzka Degui is catching up a little. Is this, will he be able to turn this fight all of a sudden? And credit to Plant, he did not let that happen. But it makes you, it was not just like a, uh, he, it was not a, he didn't school him. It wasn't a masterpiece. It wasn't a shutout. Um, so he's, he's still, he has some vulnerabilities too and, and may have to fight through them against someone like Benavidez who is all very long oh, and rangy and big. Fight. Yeah. I do get the feeling from interviewing him a few times and from seeing him fight Caleb, uh, plant that he does have intangibles. He's got a backbone that he's like legitimately tough. So when you mix that with the speed, the defensive nature, he's going to be a tough out. Certainly that's a big test. The problem is, is this Mike Lee fight going to be a big test? How much is that weight cut, that weight cut and the lack of elite experience going to play against Lee? I think it just sets you up to believe that Plant's just going to paint him. Paint him by numbers, Rafe. Just light him up. And it's going to come down to like, 
Lee getting maybe dropped a couple times and decide how much longer he wants to be in there, Rafe. I that I think that's a very good assessment of how this will play out. But then you know what? Good for Caleb Plant. Give that man a he. I I I, I do I would I like a better fight? Yeah, sure. But in ter- if we're talking about what could be good for his career, a showcase on this platform on the free part of the of, of the broadcast yes. where there probably will be a significant audience. That's not the worst thing in the world. That's better than a sharp stick in the eye. My grandma will will still be watching it. I don't know, was she 89? Wow. All right, Dwyer has a take on Mike Lee. I know Mike's KO percentage is not that high, but I have highlights from his career. They're hard to find in my favorites folder right now. <laughs> Always You're a good gonna sign. You're going to notice that this guy is physical. Oh, all right. All right, Rafe. Um, Let's not, get physical. No surprise. Physical. Dwyer has um, – I mean, look, who is Dwyer? Right? Not nobody. Dwyer somebody. But he's a hedge better by nature. So I don't think you're surprised at the button I'm going to play now. The bet I'm recommending here is the underdog. Mike Lee. They're going to give me 12 to 1 in a sport where I think world-class contenders have at least a 20% chance of winning the fight. I'll be your huckleberry. Wow! The bet I like is Mike Lee. At 12 to 1, hedged with... The over. Wow, hedge with the over, Rafe. Yeah, I mean, he's, look, all I got to say to Dwyer on that is get that money, player. Yes. Um, yes, make that money, player. He knows what he's doing. It's, he wants to hedge that bet. Go ahead. He he wants to take a long shot. Fine. Let's riff, buddy. Let's riff a bit on boxing, but Thank first you. remember. Okay, we know, we know about that. All right, Rafe, uh, real quick, Effie Ajagba is back, the heavyweight. He'll be on the Fox part of the undercard against Ali Aaron Demerizan. Don't know that man. I like Effie Ajagba, though he makes people leave the ring. Rafe, are you ready for this weekend's Do You Care as we exit, brother? Yes, sir. Okay, it starts Thursday. Yes, Thursday night, Rafe. This is a RingTV.com production. Is this one of those uh, Golden Boy DAZN things that plays on, like, regional TV? It's from your backyard of Indio, California. You can watch it. Sounds it sounds like it is, yes, yeah. It's, but it's one of for these DAZN, It's a DAZN broadcast that does not exist on DAZN. Yes. But I'll give you, I'll give him credit. This is a fight I care about. Jason Quigley versus Toriano Johnson, 10 rounds middleweight. It's not bad, right? It's not bad, but I would I wouldn't quite go so far as to say I care. Wow. Uh, I see. I thought you would say, "Wow, I'd actually go see this." This is kind of right up your alley. A little club show in Indio. I like the club shows in Indio, but I look Toriano Johnson. The, the that that was that wasn't Ludabella promoting him for a while. Yeah, probably. So yeah, boring, and so all yeah. the times you heard all that stuff about every time you ever heard someone in the media say that, oh yeah, Toriano Johnson's one of the most overlooked middleweights. That wasn't that media person talking. That was Lou talking. Wow. That was Lou calling them and saying, hey, you gotta do Toriano, Toriano, Toriano. That was all it is. Because you know what? He ain't, and he's not, and he won't, and he ain't. Wow. Marlon Esparza. And quickly might even be worse. Uh, the female flyweight Marlon Esparza on this undercard, but I know that you don't watch women's boxing. Okay. Friday night, Rafe, on the plus, ESPN plus. It's another, uh, it's another, uh, Cornerman production. Evan Corn, our friend, the content provider, the press master from Top Rank. A Top Rank card from Oxen Hill, Maryland that you better care about, Rafe. Teofimo Lopez Jr., the takeover continues against Masayoshi Nakatani. The key here 
is that it's essentially a number one uh, contenders eliminator bout for the IBF title. Should Teo win, you heard Bob on this show, the plan is to get him in there with Richard Kami, and then the plan is to somehow close this year with Teo and Loma for all four belts, brother. Wow, Rafe. Wow. What do you know about Nakatani? Um, well, I, he's the guy named after the, um, the, the office tower in Die Hard where, oh, yes. um, Hans Gruber and his band of, uh, thieving terrorists held a number of people hostage. And thanks to, uh, John McClane, yes. uh, disaster going, was averted. I thought you were going in this direction. Teo has a fight with, I have a fight, uh, with, a. Uh... A Thailand guy. A Japanese guy. Um, Japan guy. Rafe, we love Teo. We love him. Okay. There's a great main event showcase in Maryland. Where's Teo from? Oh, he's a New York, New York kid. Okay. Um, right. if he blows him away here, you're, you're not putting the uh, brake pads on the idea of him and Loma. You're all in, right? So, I, I, look, I don't think it's a good idea, but I'm still all in. I want to see it. I, Teo is a price of admission fighter, man. You want to? I want to see everything he does in a boxing ring. All right, co-main event: Maxim, I love your dadashev against Subriel Matias, junior welterweight title eliminator. Do you care? Uh, man, I'm not ready to care about this quite yet. All right. We are good friends, though. We good friends. I love you, daddy. All right. Um, on that undercard, buried, Rafe, deep buried. Remember this name? Uh, oh, wow. That was gross. Excuse me. Um, well, look, don't give me that look. You, you've, you've done things in bottles that other podcasters wouldn't do. All right. Dusty Hernandez Harrison, the former Rock Nation product, eight rounds, junior middleweights against Juan de Han on hell. You know that or no? No, 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 I'm not. No, no. All right. Main events unbeaten heavyweight Cassius Cheney from Connecticut on that undercard, too. No, no. I hear good things about him, but I don't know if I need to pay attention quite yet. All right. Friday night from Mexico City. Telemundo is your channel, Rafe. Saul Bebe Juarez, Bebe, against Ganagan Lopez. Ten rounds junior flyweights. You care? No, oh, man, I can't. All right. All right. Um, I'm going to take you to uh, Manchester, England on Friday. There's an ultimate boxer tournament. Two X's in boxer. If you're going to do two, <laughs> just go three, right? I don't know. I feel like that that that's some kind of really weird pair of underpants. Well, I'm only bringing this up to you because it's a one-night single elimination cruiserweight tournament. All, all bouts are three rounds. Dan Cooper, Kent Koppinen, Tony Conquest, Rajian Erlington, Mikhail Lawal, Anthony Woolery, no, no one, no one. Chuck Woolery, man, right. who'd have thought? Okay, Saturday, Brentwood, England, on the plus. This this reeks of MTK Global. Michael McKinson versus Evgeny Pavko, ten rounds welterweights. I do not care. All right then. Okay, from France, Marseille, Marseille. Saturday, it's a title bout, Rafe. Michel Soro, who once sent Glenn Tapia to hell. Against Magomed Kurbanov, 12 rounds for the vacant WBA regular junior middleweight title. Still don't care, Brian. All right. I know what you care about. This is a loaded weekend. London, Saturday afternoon. Yes. Rafe, three banging heavyweight bouts. Main evented by Dillian White versus Oscar Rivas in a WBC eliminator. You in? 
I am all in, baby. Body snatchers. Did you see the poster for the co-main event? How brilliant was that? Derek Chisora versus Artur Spielka, and they're both wearing their country's flag around their face like they're gangsters, like the handkerchief, like the uh, bandana around their face. Brilliant. Well, you you know what it's going to be at the weigh-in. They're both going to be wearing those bandanas around their junk. <laughs> Spielka <laughs> style. Tuxedo style. Yes, yes. Don't we have a Spielka sound drop on here, Rafe? No? I kick his ass? No? I'm gonna kick his ass. Remember, remember, champ, I'm gonna kick your ass. Uh, Rafe also, and by the way, this also fight is arguably the one I care about most. Thank the white you. rhino Dave Allen against six foot nine David Price. Inject that inside of me, Rafe. It's gonna be a war. You're forgetting the other extremely important part of this, Brian. You know who's gonna be in the corner for Dave Allen. Is it the, uh, it- cause he calls himself the, uh, the Doncaster De La Hoya, and then he changed it to the Doncaster, uh, uh, who had no business getting up from that body shot? You're damn right, Darren Barker. Is he his trainer? No business. He is training David Allen oh. for this fight. He might, I guess he's getting into training in general. That, uh, it's a, this fight is like a top bloke convention. Yes, it's it all is. the top blokes together at once. It's going to be a tug and war of kindness. I'm actually curious. I, I think that, I know it's a, generally a terrible idea to take david price in any heavyweight boxing match i think he should knock allen out he's he could. too big yeah he bangs he, he knocks Povet- povetkin into the ropes that time povetkin povetkin yeah. yeah yeah okay uh rafe on this undercard also uh lawrence oakley i've been trying to tell him you about this british cruiserweight forever he'll be defending his british and commonwealth cruiser titles against tba 12 rounds who you got TBA, I got Oakley Doakley, Ned Flanders, baby. All right. Uh, Saturday from Atlantic City, Rafe, the hits just keep on coming. From Atlantic City, New Jersey, Thomas Cornflake Lamana versus Carlos Garcia Hernandez. Ten rounds, junior middleweights, Rafe. Should, should Cornflake finish or are we still in on this? Cornflake keeps fighting. Is he still winning? Is he, is he, do you think Cornflake's ever gonna step up again after, after getting sent to hell by Antoine Douglas? I thought he time? stepped up twice and lost both, but, uh, oh, yeah. That Antoine, probably did happen. Yeah, Antoine sent him to the, uh, deep darks. Uh, Saturday in Galenzik, Russia, I, uh, uh, Russia, uh, uh, Rafe. Light heavyweight main event. Maxim Vlasov versus Isaac Chalemba. Do you care? Uh, no, not really. All right, that's bottom of the food chain. Uh, special thanks, by the way, to our guests, Keith Thurman, Mike Lee. Special thanks to Rafe Boogs from the hotel room, giving me his time, his courtesy, his flavor. Uh, check out our other offerings on the State of Combat this week. By the way, UFC show, MMA show, big-time interviews with Robbie Lawler, Hall of Famer, Uriah Faber. Don't miss that ish. Uh, Rafe, do you... uh? You got anything else, bro? You're not going to be at Pacquiao, right? The people that want to meet you, that want to potentially slice your organs open and sell them on the black market? No? I wish I was, but um, uh, you're going to have to catch me the next time with those scalpels because I just got too much too much mess going on at home. All right. All your fans are thinking. We, we, got, we got to bang them a little bit. I mean, we're not banging them. All right. That was weird. Um, Rafe, enjoy uh, the fights, okay, bro? All right. Enjoy them. Thank you, you too, Brian. Okay. Uh, do you have a message for, for the listeners, for the Irish crew? Do you want to rap with Tyson Fury on the way out? What do you want to do, Rafe? Well, I just want to say that the opinion you should follow should be your own, folks. 
Uh, I'll consider you just another weird stranger online. Oh, special thanks to Richard Dwyer, by the way. Yes, baby, I just don't get it. Baby, I just don't get it. Do you enjoy being heard? I know you smell the perfume, the makeup on your shirt. If I was you your GTBH. Uh, yeah, that's about it. That's about enough. I think you should finish, Brian. Yeah.